let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and it must be hot in this room because there is smoke everywhere. It is damn smoking, mate. Damn smoking. <laughs> Isn't it just? Tonight is um, a show that a lot of people are excited about. This is our kind of smoked beer special, and we're not alone. Welcome to the show. Mark Johnson uh, is joining us for tonight's show, and all these beers that we're going to be featuring tonight are, are courtesy of you, Mark. So, welcome to Opinions. And thank you for bringing the beers. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Very much so. So, um, should we get into this first beer that you've poured for us? Do you yeah, want to tell us what we've got and... So we're starting with the lowest strength beer of the evening, which is uh, it's a 2.8% beer from Torside Brewery. It is a Grogiskia, as I believe, but um, I think the Torside boys themselves just call it a Grodski because it's easier to say. <coughs> and it's the sort of thing we'd do. Yeah. I'm glad we're not pronouncing any of this, yeah. by the way, tonight. <laughs> uh, it's a, a beer that, um, we, well, Poland used to be famous for. That's where it came from. Um, it is 100% oaked, oak-smoked wheat malt in it. Um, they're normally about the 2.5%, so 28 about normal for it. Um, all Polish hops. And what what are we getting on the nose? Uh, 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 much smoke, Steve? Or? Not not smoke. I'm I'm gonna go straight out there and say I'm a little bit of like it's almost medicinal. Okay. A little bit of TCP. Maybe oh, on I'm that. A little bit of smoke, maybe in a little. Or I was thinking more. A hint of it, yeah. Almost like a beechwood kind of smell. But it's it's not the uh, it's not the massive ashtray that I was fearing. That, that, that I was going to get well, beer I, I, after I, I, beer. I wonder if the wheat element, which you're not a fan of, if I remember of wheat beers, um, either, wheat, so wheat beers, yeah. Potentially, potentially <laughs> your nightmare to start so, so off this, with. So this, smoke, is, this is everything that I, I want in a glass, beer. yeah. What should we so, have? Yeah, yeah, cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate Thank it. I would say it is lightly smoky in the flavour. It's it's ever so lightly smoky. Mm. It's it's not it's not the overpowering flavour in there no and it's got quite I think the body's quite nice holds it quite well yeah. I presume using the, the wheat malt is probably well especially the strength of the beer and uh, I think it's a good entry level beer to smoke I think there's a, a, a light hoppiness to it um, I know that there's been a lot of jokes about this evening Steve but yeah, I am hoping that, that it is a bit of an, an eye opener for you in terms of what smoke beers can be um and so, you know, every every beer has been selected to try and show you something different in smoked beer. And I think this is a good, easy, entry-level uh, beer for people that potentially, it's, it's potentially quite, don't yeah, like them. It's quite light, isn't it, as well? Yeah. I mean, it's, that star that you, you were describing it a few minutes ago, so is it is it always designed to be that, you know, two and a half sort of range? Is it supposed to be that sort of... Almost like a, originally how saisons were supposed to be, just to be light and refreshing. Oh, well, I, I, funnily enough, I was going to say, um, I mean, Grogiskia, if that is actually how you pronounce it. Um, sort of it, it, similar to the where farmhouse beers and things like came from, it was a means of having something safe to drink. So it was much lower strength than uh, maybe a typical beer these days. So it, it's wasn't meant to be anything other than a safe drinking vessel 
so it, it, you know it, whether it was meant to be easy drinking well it was because it was for people working in the fields and stuff so and yeah. hence the light ABV yeah, yeah. So, see, I was, I was going to say that about, I think, I think you mentioned there, it's similar to a Saison, and, and just wondering if, you, you know, that you can get a lot of those characteristics it's, from it. It's very it's, very similar it, in the way it's, it feels. It's, it's light, it's really quite bubbly, it, 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 it feels like chilled on a summer's day, yeah. this would be a very refreshing drink. Yeah, if it was that, you know, archetypal for the people working out in the fields... This would cut through a lot of it if you're really thirsty, I imagine, and it wouldn't take too long to finish. So while we work our way through uh, the first, as, as I say, of I think you've got about six or seven different beers for us to, to, to the, join. The, there's definitely six, potentially seven. Okay. So, so, so Mark, tell us uh, a, a little bit about your um, beery journey. How... How how was that happened? How how did you, you you know first get into beer, start writing about beer, um, you, you know come up with some of the opinions and views that you come with? T- tell us about you. Uh, well, I was determined to make this the longest show you've ever had, so <laughs> I might as well start. From you go, the you're going to go some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does actually start at the, uh, actually, um, I suppose when I was a teenager because. I think for a lot of people, you, you, when you ask them about it, you, they were lager drinkers for a long time and had a an a, awakening. But for me, when um, when we're at home, my mum my drank Guinness. So when it's like having them first taste of a drink from your parents' glass, it was Guinness. Or oh, my dad was a a bitter or a real ale drinker. So. Out of the three main styles, if you think lager, bitter and stout that you see, the last one I actually had was lager. And by that point I was like, oh I quite like bitter, and oh I quite like stout, and then I had lager and was like, eh, I suppose it's alright. You know, I I didn't hate it, Um, I just didn't enjoy it as much as the other three. So, I think for me that... You know, bitter then leads on to real ale and stuff, and you start going to pubs. But it became about um, wanting to try every beer that I came across. Really, really wanted to absorb beer. Whenever I saw a new beer, even if it was a new lager, even if you know, um, if Bud Light had been released into this country when I was seventeen, I would have been the first person to go out and buy it because I just wanted to try beer all the time. And the same with pubs that I, I got. A thing with pubs that whenever I walked past a pub, I just wanted to go in it and know what it was like. And I was I was sixteen at that time, so you know it was from a very early age that I, I um, was into beer. Is this a natural curiosity thing then for you? So would it be the same if it was other subjects like with music and things like that? Is it? Yeah, it could have been. Well, once it, you're into something, you're curious about it. It, it. it was just my hobby from an early age, um, but even. Um, even but even when it was Guinness, I, I was always the odd one. I was always the one that people knew. Oh, it's Mark who likes beer. You know, even when I played football, we go to the pub after the game, and it was uh, ten pints of lager and one pint of Guinness. We use the pint of Guinness for Mark, obviously. <laughs> How can he possibly drink Guinness after playing football? Because because he's like that. How I got into beer was very much. You know, I went to my first beer festival when I was eighteen, nineteen, and stuff. So. Those, my beery journey starts quite on, but we're still talking about 2004, 2005. It was a very, very different scene, as you can imagine, yeah. back then. Uh, yeah. 
trying to think. I mean, my first GBBF was 2001. I've been to local beer festivals. The first time I've been to GBBF was 2001. But I was definitely, I was definitely the, the, the archetypal. I started on Marga. Well, I, 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 we, we had a, a bar um, we went to when we, when we were 16 in a, a town called Ashton. Uh, Trashton, as it was uh, affectionately known. Um, <laughs> and it was one of those kind of bars where, you know, you were 16, you were just glad that you'd been let in. You know, in, I used to borrow my brother's passport because um, he was a couple of years older, even though we don't look anything alike. Uh, <laughs> and, it, you know, it was the kind of place where my friends were drinking Bacardi breezes and things like that, and then little coloured shots that were probably about 3% that you'd have when you were that age, convinced that you were getting drunk. Um, yeah, in a bar called Shoot in Ashton. But even there, they had Hull Garden on tap. So it would still be, you know, 12 shit shots, three Bacardi breezes, and a pint of Hull Garden for Mark. So, <laughs> what's, so, the, what's the oddest looking drink in here? It's for Mark, yeah. is what you're saying. Um, and th- th- there wasn't tons of beer, so I-, I wanted to, you know, you went to the supermarket even then, and just like, well, I'll try every beer in here. Oh, there's a, a new Shepherd Neum that I've not tried before. I mean, that is as exciting as it got. But I would still try anything. You, know, you could, you couldn't, you couldn't do it now because there were too many beers. But at the time, you could literally try everything if you wanted to, which meant that I'd tried West Mile and Orville and those kind of things when I was eighteen, um, and I didn't really come, I didn't really come across anything that I didn't like as well. That's the thing, and that's still kind of the same. I, I just, I just like beer. I like all styles of beer, and. Funny enough, the first time I tried smoked beer was Schlenkeler, and um, it was at a beer festival, and I went into the toilet and poured it down the sink. Obviously, you, you, you've loved beer from uh, an early age. When, when did that develop into you wanting to start to write about beer? What was the, 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 the catalyst to, to, to make you first put pen to paper, so to speak? I suppose what 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 happened would would have been um, the sort of craft awakening that everybody has at some point. Um, but I I spent a lot of time at beer festivals and in real ale pubs, you know, using the camera beer guide even at nineteen, but drinking with people like my dad, uh, my uncle, older people, uh, chasing beer that way, and they knew everything absolutely everything if I had a beer or I had a question about a beer they had the answer um, and what happened um, about 2009 which is something I like to remind people that I first my first taste of Brewdog was in from a Tesco's and it was in 2009 because um, well, because they were in so would that, would that be no. the hardcore IPA then no it was the 6% punk was, was that when they kind of won that competition yes. that gave them the, the contract that James still bangs on about today yeah. to this day that was the uh, catalyst to everything they are now and there was also the 7-7 lager which again to this day is the best lager they've ever made it was pretty much a carbon copy of Brooklyn's lager but they obviously couldn't sell it as well in the bars because they just decided to start making a Carling copy rather than a Brooklyn lager copy uh, but I remember having Punk IPA for the first time from Tesco's and I mean the thing about absorbing beer like I did as well you sort of had it but you still just sort of 
shrugged it off as just being like, oh, that's nice. Or, oh, I'm not really sure about that. But that's about as exciting as beer still seemed to be. But especially the dogfish head, which was in Beer Ritz, the shop in Headingley in Leeds. I'm sure you've may well have been in there. Um, it was certainly one of the very first beer dedicated shops in the country. I think that, uh, I think at one point there was possibly two that I was aware of. Um, anyway, they, they had dogfish head in for a while. I'm, sh- I'm sure you know somebody must have brought it over. So it was a few places and. I bought 90-minute IPA because I liked the design on the bottle. Mm. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and that was probably... The 90-minute the, the IPA was definitely the first time that I had a what, what I call a sit-back-and-stare moment where you take a sip of a beer, you put it down, and you just kind of go, "What? what is that that I'm drinking? That is absolutely incredible and I think that was possibly the first beer that happened to me with that and then two beer, the Flying Dog was also a Tesco purchase I think that was the Doggy Style Pale Ale um, and Punk IPA from Brewdog um, those three beers which were obviously very hoppy American style um, IPAs um, I, I just wanted to know more about them where this changed the beer scene for me is because I went back to the people that I'd always relied on and I remember being in the Grove in Huddersfield before a match and asking them about Flying Dog and at the time I was calling it the Hunter S. Thompson beer because the artwork on it's the artist that I've forgotten the name of now um, that did the artwork for Hunter S. Thompson's novels and I kept on saying this Hunter S. Thompson beer though what is it and none of them knew and that was the first time, you know, the first time I had hot back summer lightning, I could turn around to those people and say, tell me more about this beer, and they could. But this was the first time they're like, we don't have a clue what you're on about. Um, and that was when I turned to the internet for the first time, and that was what led me onto Twitter, which I'd never used before in my life. Um, and I discovered a whole new way of learning and chatting about beer it obviously been going on for a while it'd been going on through forums for many years um, and there was already a lot of beer blogs obviously out there and I, I read a lot from Zach Avery who ran the beer it's shop at the time uh, Will who was called Ghost Drinker he, his was my favourite blog uh, he also worked at beer it's um, and I just sort of sat back with about seven followers for about six months, just um, fascinated. And it was such a nice place, beer Twitter back then. <laughs> it was such a nice place. There was probably about 100 people in it. Everybody seemed to know each other. You know, big breweries like, I remember thinking Brewdogger. Bloody hell, they're bigger than I thought. They've got 500 followers on Twitter because that was a lot for somebody that was involved in beer. And then eventually my uh, friend... It was actually my friend, Sarah. Hi, Sarah, if you're listening. Um, who isn't involved in the beer scene at all, who said, you should you should write a beer blog. Um, and so I did. And no, we're, we're very <laughs> grateful. So well done, Sarah. That's yeah, what I say. Absolutely, because you've got... You've you've got a very um, unique style of of, of, of writing, 
Um, you don't always dive straight into the point that you're trying to make. There's there's always this kind of delightful preamble. That, that, you that, mean that, like on the last one? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that you have. The, the, the kind of, the, there are times when I've sat there and I've gone, the point's coming. <laughs> I, 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 I know it is. Or, or we're going to get to the start. Um, but what's, what's strange is uh, my... Well, I remember when I did my A-levels, my English language teacher said the exact same thing, that even if I, I was writing an, an essay on the semantics of some kind of poem or something, she'd say the first three paragraphs, Mark, are just you waffling on about absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's almost like a warm-up, isn't it? Start the essay here, and yeah. I never did. So that intro thing just seems to have always been in, in me, seems to have stemmed from that. I, mean, I mean, for me, it's I sort of expect it now. So if you dive straight in on it, I'd probably be quite surprised yeah, and shocked. Like, who's, who's taken over Mark's page? Yeah. What's he done with the first three paragraphs? <laughs> this has got straight to the point yeah. immediately. This is so much better. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I really enjoy especially the one about Yol recently. My, my craft awakening came from was basically what led to... Uh, blogging about me which is 2012 and the first year I was absolutely rubbish but I just sort of stuck at it because the community was nice everybody was supportive it's nothing like it is now at times but although there are elements of it you know, um, that remind me of what it was like in those original days but even if people disagreed with each other they managed to do so in a very civil way in, in a and, nice way yeah. and even if people disagreed with your blog they managed to not just shout at you they managed to just go okay I'm not really I don't agree with you today but um, and these are my this is what I think but that's fine keep on writing keep on podcasting keep on tweeting keep doing what you want um, it was it was it was a it was a lovely time to be involved in the beer scene. <laughs> yeah, but we're a much more divisive society in general, not just in the beer. And, and everybody feels as though, you know, I don't I don't like to use the term keyboard warriors, but it's quite apt. You know, you you are sat behind the keyboard, you sat behind the screen. It's quite anonymous. It's quite easy to have a go at somebody if you don't agree yeah. with them. Um, but well, I'd say it started to go downhill about 2014. Steve, when did you start podcasting? 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Drat. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time I started blogging it's, then. So. It's, 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 yeah. when, it's when yeah. those damn podcasters started coming <laughs> onto Twitter thinking they knew everything. Like that, those <laughs> verbal communicators. Yeah. That, that seems to be when it got, went wrong. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that, that's great to, to, to hear your journey there, Mark. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure throughout the evening we're going to dip in and out of, of, of different things that you've been involved in different things you, that, that, that you do um, we're at the end of well we're, we're at the end of first beer you've not had a chance to yeah. because you've been talking we, we let we've, talk. we've just been sit, sat back drinking, <laughs> drinking. Um, what, what, what were your thoughts on, on, I would, on this, I, this I would, first I, beer I would revisit that one again I've got, I don't know where I've had it because I've had um, I got a box of tour side a little while ago um, someone gave me a gift voucher for Ibria so I did it all on tour side and I don't know if I've had that before, but I can imagine on a warmer, warmer, sunnier day, that chilled down a bit. That yeah, that really cold would go down an absolute tree. Yeah, I, I, I would say as an opener slash gateway. Yeah, I mean, it does the job. It wasn't. I mean, I I enjoyed it. The the only smoke that I really got was kind of it was almost on on, on the aftertaste. So it wasn't as as you were drinking it. It was kind of once once I'd swallowed and then then taken a breath. It was kind of on that breath coming back up again. Yeah, I think sometimes, and again, using the example you had before with the, uh, how do you say it, the Schenkler. Schenkler. The aroma is what you get straight away, isn't it? Once you, once that's open, yeah, you, you get the aroma. 
it doesn't and if that aroma isn't to your liking it can be quite hard to dive in whereas the aroma in this was quite subtle and the smokiness i would agree i think the smokiness there was a little bit on the nose for me but definitely it was there pre it was present all the way through without hammering it home and, and the well the well hopped beers um so, so you know that that might help because the, the hops on things like Schlenkler, which by the way I said that's how you pronounce it, could well be wrong. Just Better like, than I would have done. Just like yeah. me and Grodziskia, which is possibly wrong. But it's almost like um, a smoked table beer, if you want to refer to that yeah. way. You know, it's, yeah. it's light in alcohol, but it is still well hopped. Um, so you know, it's yeah, it's, it, it'd be nice to drink a few of. Yeah, great body for the ABV as well uh, absolutely like I say it had, it had body that had life in it as well yeah. so you knew you were drinking something and we always talk about the, these table beers these lower ABV styles but you still want to have the feel that you're having a decent beer and that something's been put into it not just stuff taken out this feels like there's still a bit of work in it and they've actually tried to deliver something that you would actually still just quite enjoy drinking yeah. regardless of the ABV so yeah, we we are doing at least one more Torside uh, beer this evening. So I, I will just talk very briefly about the brewery themselves. Oh, we, we, we do the absolutely one. want you to yeah, as well yeah. because they are the. I, uh, I realise that I missed that bit out. Then possibly there, the undisputed <laughs> masters of, uh, of of smoked beer in the UK. I, I would certainly um, say that. I'm I'm very glad that they're reasonably local to me because I don't know what I'd do if they were in South Wales. But yeah. <laughs> so so we will we will absolutely. Um, absolutely come on to that moving on we're going to do uh, a couple of opinions discussions um, with you tonight Mark yep um, and so we'll get into our first one now opinions 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 this question was um, all about ingredients and it was uh, what would you say is the most important ingredient in beer when it comes to the personal taste preferences that you look for so 741 votes so a lot of votes on this well, one I'm pretty amazed the number of votes on this one I, I was actually um, unsurprisingly 53% of people went for hops 20% um, for malt, 18% for yeast, and 9% for water. Now, it's, it's it's fair to say that we went for the traditional ingredients. Uh, and, yeah, we didn't go adjuncts or anything else. Yeah, just the four. Yeah. And, main. and you can only have four. Uh, and and the first comment that we had was from tonight's guest. Uh, and <laughs> literally, probably the only reason we're including this this poll is to prove that we are actually going to do it on a show, Mark. Because <laughs> because you said you said water, didn't you? I did. Uh, but. As I know this ever isn't being discussed on a show and I'm an awful person, although I do think water is important. This is, so. puni this is punishment for the small beer special, isn't it? Well, <laughs> well, well so it's some of. kind of payback. Yeah. Um, so, so, Mark, why, why, did you, why did you say water? What, what was your, your rationale behind that? Because you're never discussing it on the podcast, that's why. <laughs> um, the, 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 the truth be told, they are all important, but um, I actually thought of the example of a beer that I know we discussed on social media, um, primacy effect and recency effect from Magic Rock yeah. and Buxton recently. I mean, that, that was a, a prime example of the the importance of water in a beer. Two beers that, between Magic Rock and Buxton, brewed to the exact same recipe. One in Huddersfield, which is not well known for its quality of water, and one in Buxton, which certainly is. Um, you got chance when you're in Bakewell to walk around the village and see that you can see all the way to the bottom of the stream. Um, 
that area of the world, obviously Buxton Water and stuff, it's uh, famous for it. And we were both in agreement that the primacy effect came up trumps as the better beer out of the two. And, you know, why, why, why would that be same recipe, same... Well, there was only one deviant in it. Um, and the quality of the water really shone through, so... so see, I'd, until that moment, I hadn't actually thought about that because if, if you looked at Twitter as well, um, coming back to that wonderful place that is beer Twitter, <laughs> we were probably in the minority of, of, of people. A lot of people were saying they thought the Magic Rock version was, was, was the superior of the two. Um, but I, I was Buxton all the way. I, I, I just think there was, there was a, an edge to it. And now you say that, not really thought about... That the fact that it, it was obviously the water was, was the defining difference in those beers. But there are much bigger examples. Um, when you see brewers, Thwaite, it happened to Thwaites recently, you know, moved to Marston's um, to brew beer, and the beer isn't, not that I drank a lot of Thwaites, but even I can tell the absolute enormous difference in uh, the Wainwrights and the Bomber of previous to the stuff that's now brewed at Marston's and again you can't replicate the water from the area you can never can so um, by all accounts I don't think Wainwrights changed at all in recipe terms but it has so you know no matter how big or small the the beer itself it's yeah it's very important and I think just to back that point up the, ne the next comment from Chris Elston at Elston's Beer Block blog actually says it's water you can brew the same beer on the same kit using water from two different sources and it'll probably taste different the water has to be consistent for the beers to be too although i always thought they could treat water to make because that was the whole thing about all the london breweries moving up to burton wasn't it in the 1800s was because the water up there was better for producing the pale ales yeah um, but as soon as they realized that they could actually treat the water to actually so that it sort of replicated the softness of the water that they had up in the Midlands, then didn't they start bringing the breweries back down? Which is true. I mean, even if you have a, a home brew book, there's an entire ch chapter dedicated to treating water to make your home brews better. Um, but wh whether you ever can exactly is something else. But if nothing else, that proves the point that it is, you know, why, why, why would you go to the effort of trying to treat water to be as good as somewhere else? Well, it's because it's so important to the quality of the beer. Mm. And, and, and I'm assuming, um, not being a home brewer myself, but if you're treating water, you're using chemicals, that, that's got to have an impact on, 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 on the flavour and the taste of that water. I'm a chemical element to it. Yeah, yeah. As, as, if, as, as where if, again, using Buxton as an example, if they are drawing water from the source... That's going to be as pure as possible, mm. isn't it? I mean, it's the impossible question. Yeah. Or it's a question with the impossible answer. I, th I, th I think, I mean, it, it, certainly, all, all, the, all the ingredients in beer are important, but you can make arguments for all of them, and they're all worth discussing, because then you, at least you get um, the reasons why they're all important. So. I mean, you're not wrong about I mean, probably one of the things which definitely holds me back about water is knowing about exactly where they're getting the water from. And that's very rarely spoken about whereas uh, you'll get told about the yeast the malt and the hops mm -hmm. so unless they just make an assumption they're getting water if i don't know from a deep well spring or from just the you know the local supplier that's never mentioned on a, a can or a bottle anyway In interestingly the, the one and only time i did a sort of tour of cloudwater when the manchester brewery expo and it'd been open maybe six months they did start off the tour talking about the water tank and they do something to it um, 
so you know it, which is something that's missed out on a lot of brewery tours but they felt it was important to include it there so it's something they take very seriously too so the, the next comment was from Beers Without Frontiers podcast at Beers underscore Frontiers and they said without malt we are nothing which uh, a few other people commented on and interestingly enough in, in, in terms of the beers that we're, we're doing on tonight's show the, these are all I'm, I'm going to go out there and say these are all so because they've either got a, a smoked malt element the or, one, the or one, another smoked element to them. the ones that we are doing tonight are or that there's been a few beers that I've tried that have tried smoking hops and it, it, it gives a very uh, cigar like flavour to them but you know the, the yes the the without going in a different direction, but yes, the beers that we're all doing tonight are um, certainly all. Uh, it's the, it's the malts that are smoked, um, and so it's obviously hugely important to the flavour of the beer. So you can't you can't argue with them there on that. Which is a, a beautiful segue into the next beer, which we've we've got in front of us. And Mark, tell us a little bit about what we've got now. So I wanted to do a smoked porter. Um, it's a style you'll be a bit more familiar with. Um, but, and there's several really good examples of. I chose Runaways um, because it's a core beer to them, 6%, which I think is one of the stronger end ones, and it's probably my particular favourite, and I also think Runaway are a, uh, a great Manchester brewery who don't get, again, as much attention as uh, some of the other breweries in the city, so that was another reason I wanted to include them. Obviously, I could have included Smog Rocket, uh, Red Willow do a very good one. Torside again. I could have done this entire evening using Torside beers, but Torside do a, a great one. But so there's obviously much more of the roastness in there. Hopefully, um, that what one would ex, uh, expect in a in a porter or a stout. Um, and it's also Beechwood smoked Bamberg malt. I believe okay. to use rather. Which is the stuff that you'll get in Schlenkler yeah. beers as well. So it's imported directly over. So we've we started with a wheat one. Now we've gone on to the uh, beechwood uh, smoked malt. So okay. cheers. cheers, cheers. So now I'm getting no smoke. I'm getting, smoke I'm on getting the nose. more chocolate malt then. I'm I'm getting a I'm getting a whole load of hops on that. It's it's, it's almost like it's almost verging into black IPA territory there for me on the nose. I think you start to get a little bit of um, wood coming through it's very subtle though I mean it does put me in mind a bit of Smog Rocket because Smog Rocket I don't think is very overt I'd, I'd, if, if, you, if you gave me that blind I wouldn't say to you that was a smoked beer which is interesting because I find myself quite susceptible to smoke because um, basically a fam- famous phrase of mine that uh, I, I remember Brian Dixon who works at Northern Monk he used to always joke about this for me if he, if he ever brewed a smoked beer he said yeah I brewed a smoked beer but I know exactly what you're going to say about it and it was always going to be it's not smoky enough it's not smoky enough um, so I find myself quite susceptible to smoke but I pick up a lot of smoke in the t- first two beers that we've had which you, uh, which you two have, have yeah so have, I'm quite surprised not, that. so that surprised me I'd expect it the other way around if it's a beer style that you like a lot, and you've you know you're on record as enjoying it because there's a smoked beer festival, isn't there? Um, which I think is at Tallside, isn't it? it does. Which I'm sure again we'll we'll come to. But yeah, 
I usually the things that I really like. And I I always wonder, you know, and we've mentioned more than once that some of the beers we feel like the bitterness has dropped off. Maybe is that because I'm a I'm looking for the next bitter here, and my tolerance has changed, so I'm not as susceptible to bitterness anymore because I'm so drinking it all the time or looking for it all the time. Whereas you you are quite clearly drinking more smoked beers than probably me and Steve do put together. Well, I was just looking on the bottle there um, because I'm picking up a fair amount of bitterness. I was wondering if it was quite young, but I'm guessing because uh, it's got a December date on that it was probably bottled in December as well. So, you know, it's a good six months old. I'm just finding it just really tasty. I am. I, uh, I, I'm really enjoying it, yeah. actually. I mean, it's only got, for me, it's only got a hint of smoke, but it's the chocolate malt that's coming through for me. And there is definitely some some piney resonance there as well. It, it is. It's it's got a massive bitterness, but that's for me that's coming from the roasted flavours. So that that's that's where all the bitterness is. It's in that darkness. Mm. And you're right about you're right about Runaway. That they are not undervalued, underappreciated. I'm sure the people who off, who like them really do like them, but you don't see as much about them, do you? No, certainly not on forums, social media, anything. They just um, very good at what they do, but um, you could argue all day that it's because they don't do 440 mil cans, they don't do New England IPAs. It could, it could well be that kind of thing, but it doesn't matter because what they do, they just do very, very well. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of them. And I think this is uh, just an excellent sport porter, but also, I mean, again, I'm, I'm pleased. I, you know, I don't want you to be just going, oh, Gosh, it's too smoky because um, I, I, the the reason I selected this beer is I, I find it very drinkable. But then I like smoke, mm. so I wanted to I, I wanted to hear that from I mean, somebody this else. Got, this so. has got less smoke than the first beer. Yeah, I, I agree, one hundred percent agree with, so, with that. But again, just as a beer, just enjoying it. Yeah. So, yeah. a few more comments on the uh, on the water yeast malt hops. Just give a shout out for some of the other bits in there. So yeast and bacteria is the most important by far. That's why a saison tastes different to a pale ale. It gives ESB and British ales its distinct flavour. Attenuation levels have a huge impact on the final product. And that's from John at Beer in the Suburb. And uh, another comment from that one. Although I voted yeast, as that what changes walk to beer, don't think any element is really more important than the other. As in my opinion, the best beers are those that are really well balanced. And that's from Drac Uber at Drac Uber. And then we get on to the ones where Steve voted uh, 53% of the time. <laughs> I think we've established that I can't vote on the polls. <laughs> not, with, not with your official account. It's all the others you've got stored up for these instances. Uh, voted hops. I love bitter resinous hop syrup. However, could have voted yeast. Hate funk, so in some ways you could argue it's more important to avoid the things you dislike. I love MPs even more than hop syrup, but it seems the public awareness of malts is so inferior when compared to hops. Ask the average beer drinker about Citroën, Mosaic or Simcoe and they will give you volumes. Ask them their favourite malts and they'll give you little back, I expect. And that's from mm. Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers. That's so a great shout though actually, isn't it? Is, yeah. Is, is the, uh, a lot of, and you, you, you've, you've probably seen the same mark in terms of your own journey. Uh, a lot of the last 10 years has, has been all about, about it's all been all about the hops yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what hops can do to um, and bring to beer yeah but and I think going back to say Mark's craft beer awakening mine and pr- probably yours as well Steve it was probably still the the hops that 
woke up my senses to yeah. the, the different possibilities with beers. Well, we didn't know the names of them as well. That, yeah. was, that was just hops back then. I mean, yeah. That, yeah. I'd heard the words Fuggles and Goldins. I'd heard of Cascade and Chinook, but we, I didn't actually know they were hops because they were. It was just not part of the conversation. No. It goes back to that point that I was saying that you just kind of went, well, that's a nice beer, or you know, but you didn't. There, there wasn't as much of a conversation like there is now. Like you guys often say, if it's got citron mosaic in it, then I'm most likely to buy it, and that's great because you know the things that you like. We just we didn't know those things. No, you no. Know, even ten years ago, we didn't. Quite we right. didn't People we didn't. weren't really shouting about it as much either, were they? No. Um, and then finally, uh, they're all as important as each other. It isn't beer if you take one away. I'm sure people might have a few comments about that. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, and that's from beer, 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 at beer, beer, beer. And um, I'm sure a few people have a few comments on that. I mean, we've had, we have tried some beers without hops, haven't we? I was going to say, yeah, what's, what's that? It's Groot, isn't yeah. it, that is, is brewed without hops? Yeah, and I've only had a couple and I didn't enjoy them, really. No, no, I think there's, there's still that moment on that one, Crimbo Crawl, where we let you choose the first, first beer, beer of the day and you chose a beer without hops. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's never to be repeated. And the day was ruined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah was well, ruined what I'm mine. That's my first crimbo quarter. I think I've improved. Oh, absolutely. Levels. Yeah. Since then. Yeah. But um, it was a very good question. I say I think it's a great question, but an impossible answer. Yeah, and we had, as as always, we had so many comments. Um, but we, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, we, we were probably never going to feature this on the show, and, and until Mark called it out, and then we arranged for Mark to be on the show. So straight away, we were, we were always then going to feature it. Um, it but, is a great conversation to have, actually. It is an impossible question to answer, but it's a great conversation yeah. to have. So. Yeah, and, and like I say, there were loads of comments, and, and, and as always, we put links to the, the, the opinions questions in the show notes. If, if any of our listeners do want to go and read through all the comments, just go to the yeah. show notes, click on the links, and you can see all the comments, and you can continue the conversation. Just keep using that hashtag, opinions. So, as we work our way through uh, this second beer uh, of the evening, um, shall we get into some news? First up, uh, we've got another... Um, Sal, uh, this this one coming from Europe this time. So this was uh, Oedipus. Is is that is that how we're pronouncing it? Do we think? I'm I'm not convinced that's how the the, the Dutch would say. I've it, been but. pronouncing it Oedipus. Okay. Um, I, again, uh, the pronunciations going to it might as well be the theme in the show. Smoked <laughs> beer. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so they are um, based in Amsterdam. Uh, and they've been around for seven years. I've, I've got to say, I've maybe had one or two of their beers in, in, in my time. I they're haven't. Not, they're, no, they're I've, not been a... to, I've been to Amsterdam and the Netherlands many times, <laughs> and I have never come across this brewery. Really? Yeah. It's, yeah. Quite, it's quite surprising. Whereas I've had a few of theirs, just, um, and certainly mostly IPAs I've, I've found as well, and they've, they've, they've all been excellent, so I've, I've been a fan. But, <laughs> but um, so they have um, sold a minority stake, which which they said quite clearly in in, in their press release. They've not announced the figure again, have they? No, no figure no. announced again uh, to Heineken. Um, so it, it, it seems like Heineken are continuing to in, increase their 
craft beer portfolio, one, one, one could say. So, um, press release says, uh, for the past seven years we've strived to make the best beer that we can, modern, lively and colourful brews that everyone can enjoy. Our motto has always been that there's more to life than beer, so we created our own Oedipus Galaxy, where beer, food, music, art and nature come together and everyone is welcome. Um, so uh, they wanted to look to continue to build that, uh, building more experiences uh, around the beer. They want to introduce food and beer, uh, innovative cuisine, matching it with experimental beer, a brew club, a new music and cultural venue, and a biggest their, their biggest dream being uh, a modern, sustainable farmer house brewery in or around Amsterdam. Now, within that, they also include the phrase the Oedipus Galaxy. Uh, which is this wonderful picture, shows all the, the, the things I want to do. And you, you can't help but begin to draw some parallels mm. to Beaverweld. Yeah. Um, it, it seems as though Heineken are going for a very distinct type of brewery that have got big ambitions that they might want to be part of. So, again, yeah, Heineken are owning a minority stake in the business and they will maintain full control of what we brew, how we do it, and with whom. So, must admit, they got to their point a lot quicker than Beavertown did when they put out their release <laughs> um, about <laughs> selling a minority stake to, to Heineken. Um, well, strangely enough, uh, about a month ago, my friend was over in Amsterdam, um, non beery as I call him, uh, well, as I call any of my friends that aren't uh, o- overly into beer, but will still drink it. He's a, he's a non beery friend, but he was over in Amsterdam, and he, you know, sent me some pictures and messages like my friends do. Have you been here? Have you tried this beer? Um, and he was at Oedipus, and it looked absolutely fantastic. It looked like a fantastic tap room. Um, kind of thing that I would have recommended to anyone to Amsterdam, um, which he seems to do every time just before a brewery buys out. So as well as telling him that he's a bit of a curse, um, I said that it, it, feel, it feels like Heineken are trying to do this in a lot of capital cities, certainly ones that are beer destinations at the moment. Um, there, there was... Obviously, Beaver Town is Lagunitis, and there's another one in Europe that they've uh, invested into as well. I'm trying to think who it is that they could create this Beaver World style um, experience in. So, it feels like this is the new tactic that yeah. is to go to every capital city in Europe and uh, create a sort of craft beer destination that they, you know, partly own at least. Um, without actually having to do any of the work themselves. So. But, but with that sort of network as though, doesn't doesn't that mean that they can showcase each brewery's beers in the other brewery's tap rooms as well? It Surely it allows them that flexibility to, well, I was from, in, from um, their portfolio, well, to showcase these beers all around yeah. I went to yeah. the Little Creatures one near King's Cross, and there was four pure beers in there. So I know that they're 100% owned by Lion Brand, both of those, aren't they? So maybe there's more flexible it's easier for Lion to do that but I'd imagine that's going to be a bit of the conversation isn't it but you can suddenly find Beaver Town in this Oedipus galaxy when it comes up and running yeah. I mean it makes sense for Heineken to you know Kraft have maybe been a little bit slower in Amsterdam because of the prevalence of Heineken a bit like you know Guinness in Ireland so to speak Every, and there's already the Heineken experience is yeah. that in, in Amsterdam yeah or? it is it's, yeah. Where, it's where the old brewery used to be the original brewery used to be 
Um, so it makes sense for them to go for it. And yeah, it does seem to be very much their, their MO now is minority states, um, create something which is more than just beer, if you like, in inverted comments almost. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what comes of it and whether there's any noise about it. But like I said, for me, this, this for whatever reason, this brewery is completely under the radar for me, despite my visits often to uh, to the Netherlands. Be interested if you've got any Dutch listeners, if they've got an, an opinion that, um, you know, whether this has had the same backlash over there that Beaver Town did over here or not. Well, it certainly didn't seem to get any backlash over here. It, it, it almost passed me by it was only because somebody tweeted it to me and said oh have you seen this yeah, well, I, think yeah, I, I, saw that. yeah I found out through Steve at Beer Nouveau when he tweeted it and you yeah. know I, I, I don't think he, he's famously the person that breaks this kind of news it's certainly usually <laughs> the morning advertiser or somebody yeah. along those lines so. yeah but Heineken carried on spreading some of their some of their cash around indeed yeah uh, next up we've got um, some more crowdfunding which which might lead us in an interesting direction uh, anyway, so uh, Watney's, uh, a, a brand synonymous with uh, the ancient red barrel mm. that, that, that used to sit on every bar, um, are launching a £400,000 crowdfunding campaign. So Watney's Beer Company, formerly known as Brands Reunited, has launched a £400,000 uh, campaign on a crowdfunding platform called Cedars. Uh, company is offering 18.29% equity in return for investment. Um, interestingly, Brands Reunited uh, in it were founded in 2015 with a view to relaunch heritage, heritage beer brands to the craft sector. Um, now, Watney's uh, obviously originally being brewed in London from 1837 until disappearing in the 80s. Um, in 2015, the company launched the first of the four brands, Home Owls, back into the Midlands heartland, while 2016 saw the launch of Watney's in London. Uh, they want to look to use the funds to strengthen the company's sales team, invest in format development, sales marketing, and to build off-trade distribution, as well as targeted export of 10% within three years. Uh, their focus is now to make Watney's a national brand once more and build a portfolio of strong regional craft brands. So, a couple of questions in there. Firstly, this seems like a company that's all about brands rather yeah. than it is an, an actual brewer, brewery as such. Yeah, and, you know, again, by using like the Watneys, there's so many pubs still in London which have Watneys on it, so there is brand recognition there just with the pubs. The same as Truman's Brewery. Um, yeah. It's taken a slightly different tact. They did seem to at least start off with it being about the beer, <laughs> but Truman's is still spread about London in quite a few places, isn't it, on... on on uh, various pubs that still exist. Um, I mean, the cans look awful <laughs> as well. The little picture we're looking at here with the like the smiley. I've, I've not seen that. Can smiley I? face. It's dreadful. Dreadful branding. I, I didn't. I didn't Absolutely see awful. that. I know it's not a great print, but oh, that's that's horrific. That is uh, horrific. If, if there's ever anything that's screaming Portman Group, <laughs> it's 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 that. I mean, it is literally a, a series of smiley fa- faces. Underneath the name of a beer, yeah, is is, is that is that one? So called, the name of the beer is that is one like, called Slapstick? Yeah, dreadful. Slapstick double IPA. Yes, with a smiley mouth on it. Dreadful. Sorry, a bit of a tangent to you. Didn't ask about the branding. Um, yeah, it does seem to be about brands. Doesn't seem to really be talking about the beers. It's just people maybe with a bit of curiosity factor and throwing some money behind it. Um, I'm not really sure what 
what you get, what you might get for your investment, to be honest. But no, this this feels like more of a like an actual equity investment yes. rather than, than than perks and you know discounts and that sort of thing. But it's, I mean, thought four four hundred thousand pound is it's, it's not a small amount of money. Mm. Where do they It doesn't say. I, right. I don't know. It doesn't say anything. They, they, don't, they don't have a brewery. This yeah. is why it's a, it's a, it's a, an exercise in branding. Uh, it always has been. Um, they've uh, brewed beers contractually at six or seven uh, different breweries across the country so, so far. I don't know whether this crowdfunding campaign is being used to actually buying a brewery. doesn't say anything about or that. Or maybe even employing a fucking brewery of their own, which, you know, I don't believe yeah. I've sworn on this podca- podcast so far, but yes. just fuck what is and this entire exercise because it's nothing to do with uh, beers. It, it hasn't been... Like you say, it's... it's I actually hadn't thought about the exploiting the stuff that already exists in the brickwork and the tiles outside pubs already. Yeah. That's um, I hadn't even crossed my mind. But yeah, it's it's all along since they relaunched. Um, there's a brewery in Liverpool doing a similar thing with Higson's at the moment, um, which was a huge brewery that my, you know again my dad and uncle used to talk about Higson's a lot. Um, but they're not even bringing... Heritage Brewing is about doing what, like, Steve at Beer Nouveau is doing and things like that. It's taking old recipes and showing showcasing what they were, what beer used to taste like back then. Um, you know, m- maybe with the odd different ingredient, m- maybe just to give some people some insight, just go, if these hops were available at the time, this might well be... They might have actually been brewing Cannonball in 1878. They just didn't have the hops. That is what Heritage Brewing and all that should be about. What Watneys have done has been nothing of the sort ever since. It's just branding, and it's uh, it, it annoys me. I'm afraid it's just, it's just a company. <laughs> yeah, it's just a company. Yeah, yeah. It's not. A, it's not a brewer. It's not a brewery. It's. I, like I said, you would just be investing on the fact. So they say, uh, you know, up year, eighty-five percent year on year in twenty eighteen. But it's. All, and it actually says on the I'm reading all without owning a brewery, a lorry, or a barrel. That's the bit I, re- I read the press release, and it all it's almost smug that they've done it. I've without, seen, without, it's, it almost reads as if they're yeah. going. Can you believe it's that very, we've managed to do this, very, and we don't even have a fucking brewer? It's very corporate and very non-beer. Yeah, <clears throat> it's it's interesting though. At a time where we've seen a number of crowdfunded organisations actually fail, mm, and some and quite in-depth pieces about them as well. So there, there was one recently from uh, Glyn Davis, and I think there was one by Matt Curtis as well talking about it and the ones which have gone recently have been the ones which you were getting equity as well yeah and then you know we spoke about red church and then they went into admin sort of seemingly overnight and came out of admin so anyone who'd invested that was it your investment had gone that kind of stuff so it does seem to be a strange time to be doing it. i just don't see what for this one the hook is only the chance to make money I, and, and I think that's where they're. I, I, I don't see that they're targeting the likes of us. They're not. No. They're, they're not targeting no. beer drinkers. They're, they're targeting big investment no, partners that tra- are going to so put they're not quite a bit of money. You into and this. I, who put some money in for Steve for his Heritage Barrel program, we get an update every few months to tell us how it's doing, or he's doing the halfway tapping party, that kind of stuff. That's not who they're going for. 
One one die, I'm going to get to one of those tapping pots. Yeah, same. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I, b- I believe that there's one uh, this coming weekend that yeah. he'd, actually, yeah. he'd actually forgotten about himself. As I found <laughs> yeah, out yeah. On Saturday. I, I, I thought the email was a bit short notice. <laughs> I was like, you've given us about six days' notice on this one, Steve. Mark, you've poured us our next beer of the evening. Would you like to uh, tell us what we've got? Uh, I would. What we've got, Steve, is hashtag www zero 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 dot d d d d okay they might they, they might be o's rather than zeros i'm okay. not sure but All right. uh it is cloud water and against the grain it was done for the friends and family festival um that was on it well i think it, there were a series of collaborations that were done whilst the breweries were over if i've got that correct rather than done for the festival and uh the, the, they've Sort of, it's it's a, not so much a style. It's certainly a smoked beer. Um, they've um, chopped up some wood themselves from bourbon barrels. Um, that they then burn off to smoke some malt themselves, but then use the lager yeast. They say it's a little bit like an old ale, but with a a lager yeast which would give it a very clean finish basically it's not like any uh, any beer never mind the smoked beer that i've ever had before uh, and i thought it was a really interesting one to have as uh, okay oh, so. well, definitely piques my interest cheers. cheers see i find that much more of a sm- sweet smoke kind of smell almost like a pulled pork or something a, a little bit if if i'm honest it's putting me in mind of a barley wine but i don't know if that's just because of the color of the beer Remind, well, makes well, me remind reminds me of a barley wine. Well, colour. old ales can be very similar, yeah. can't they? So I think there's some of that aspect about it. On the the aroma for me, which which is why I've had to have a few goes at sniffing this and change various positions because it, it smells like bad breath, and I, I don't know if that's just me breathing into the glass. Or not. <laughs> um, but so I'm just. But it has it's got it's got a tinge of morning breath to it for, okay. for, for for me on on the nose. I'm not really getting any of the um any of the smoke. Oh, you're not. I'm, I'm getting. You know what you mentioned earlier. What you expect. I'm getting a little bit of the that sort of ashtray kind of was, nose to it. I, I think you know it's interesting that the used wood from bourbon barrels and whether that's giving it the sweetness that I'm getting. It's, it's into, very so. sweet. Yeah, there's there's mm. a sweetness to that that for me is almost. It, it's almost killing any any, any smoked flavour. I'm not. I'm getting no smoked flavour. It's well balanced. Okay. I think it's well balanced sweetness though. It's yeah. not, and it's not that overt uh, vanilla bit. Sometimes you associate with it. Either. No, it's it's more like a toffee caramel yeah. kind of sweetness. See, again, I think what's happening here, which is delightful, um, is your it's subverting your expectations of what you're just expecting everything to taste like bacon. And because it doesn't, no, I mean, you're oh, saying that it's not smoky. I was maybe. expecting everything to taste like peat. Right. Well, no, um, I, <laughs> I was very careful when and I... That's definitely not one of Steve's <laughs> yeah. aromas and flavours. If, if I was doing... It, it, I've tried to be careful. If I was doing maybe this kind of... Uh, it's not an event, but if I was curating a list, as they say these days, I would have had... Uh, I've, it's actually was in my suitcase. I would have, I would have had a smoked sour. I brought smoke and barrels from Wild Bear with me, and then I thought, what's the point? He is going to hate that, because uh, it is a couple of years old now, and it's tasting particularly sour. Yeah. Um, so I thought, what's the point? And I know that you hated Rex Attitude, and 
the double strength one and that you've already had them. I thought, I know that it hates peat flavours, so maybe if I was doing it for just Martin, I might have included that to give the full spectrum, but I've purposely tried to avoid those sort of things and uh, give us some different perspective on I, I, I really appreciate that because it yeah. actually, it's changing my, my, my view on things um, because I didn't realise there was such a... Uh, a, a range, a varied range of flavours and, and styles that you could get that, that, are, that are smoked. I mean, in, interestingly for me, this one, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure Cloudwater and Against the Grain are absolutely going to hate me saying this, it, it puts me in mind of original Innocent Gun when it was first released. I don't think that, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that because firstly, when Innocent Gun first came out, I personally hadn't had a beer like that. I hadn't and I loved it. There was nothing like it and on the market. I think you should be able to get it in like the slug and Letters or yeah. places like that. All by one was yeah. the first time I had like, Innocent okay, Gun. Okay, well I can actually have something different here. Yeah. Um, so I used to have it. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say that's actually a, a bad thing to say. That's what I'm getting on the flavour. That's I, what it's, re- it's reminiscent I of I can understand me. where that likeness comes from. Definitely. And I think as another point to make about smoked beers is the, like the Stolat that we had first from Torsai, that was 100% uh, smoked wheat malt. I think the Bamberg beers are 100%. Um, this, I don't have any indication of what it is, but I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it's any more than 50 but they've smoked it. So they've smoked it themselves, though. But they, and they smoked it themselves, okay. yeah, which I think is really interesting. But also, it's, I, I've just checked. It's seven point two, which I didn't realise, and I think it drinks about five. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't drink anywhere near that. No. no. But so. you are. I suppose you're getting starting to get towards that sort of barley wine, more light territory, aren't you? Yeah. Seven point two, but it's definitely hasn't got that overt sweetness on it it's, I think it's just really well balanced I'm really enjoying this and I'm yeah. drinking it way too fast yeah. so read well, some more news I, I need to read some more news mm-hmm. to stop me from drinking uh, quickly uh, this is one that might spark a little bit of discussion uh, camera are going to allow keg beer at the Great British Beer Festival for the first time suddenly watch all the tickets sell out <laughs> uh, the organisation will allow live craft keg beers at the Great British Beer Festival in inverted commas in inverted commas, of course, because the word craft has been used and camera can't use the word craft without that putting inverted, inverted commas <laughs> around it. Um, Me neither. So, uh, for the first time in 42 years, uh, keg beers are going to be allowed at GBBF. Uh, first breweries that have been announced uh, that are going to be part of this special bar that will be there. I'm, I, I, can, I can envisage this bar being in like a hazardous material area you know like a quarantine you have to zone. go in with like a hazmat suit yeah, on yeah, <laughs> yeah you know you can't, you can't you can't drink these beers next to next to the real stuff oh uh, yeah but they're, uh, they're not putting it with the real stuff aren't they they're going to put it in the international they are yeah uh, so Tiny Rebel uh, Wild Beer Co Magic Rock and Siren uh, who are probably four names that if you if, if you would if somebody had said to you pick four names that you think would uh, appear at the GBBF and show show off their keg ranges. You could have probably had a good guess. At and well, Tiny Rebel are always there with their little bus, yeah. aren't they? The little camper van, almost. Wild Beer, Magic Rock, and so on. I mean, sure. Wild Beer is probably the only surprising one out out of those four. I would say yeah. the, the other yeah. three, yeah, pr- pretty 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 good um, in in terms of having a guess at those. So they've signed up. Uh, that they're going to be showcasing their beers uh, from recyclable key keg containers. But as you say, situated in the International Beer Hall alongside brewers from the US, Czech, Czech Republic, Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, Spain, amongst others. So arrive before Wednesday lunchtime, otherwise the trade session on the Tuesday and the Tuesday evening and the Wednesday, they'll all be gone. There, there's no way those beers are making it to the weekend. No, no, not unless they bring lots the of The International Beer Hall is gone by, what, end of Wednesday? 
Yeah. Before the silly hat day on Thursday. Um, plans are also underway for a new learning and discovery zone at the festival, which offers visitors the chance to compare samples of keg and cask beers next to each other to, to, to see the difference. Now, our <laughs> guest is laughing. Do you come on, Mark? Share your thoughts. Well, I mean, the first thing, I've, I've never been to the Great British Beer Festival, which might be surprising, but I don't think I've ever actually ever been to a beer festival in London. I don't know. Um, you're not missing much. Now, Manchester, the. What used to be the Winter Ales Festival is now just the next biggest camera beer festival. The one in, that's in on January. You and you, and yeah. you we two loved have been that. on. We yeah. absolutely adored that. But festival. they've been doing key keg there for four or five years, and so because I don't go to the Great British Beer Festival, when I first heard this news, my original thing was seriously. Like, <laughs> it's actually been it's, a. That's not news. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a debate down here for this long that this has only just happened, which is rather pathetic. Um, but my other thought whenever anything like this happens is uh, when people say it shouldn't be available because it's not cask beer but it's not replacing the cask beer it's just an extra bar it's an addition and it's just a case of if you don't like the idea of key keg you're still not okay with it you don't want to consider it being real ale that's absolutely fine don't fucking drink it because there's a lot of other things there and I don't understand why it needs to be a debate where people get upset that um, something that that they don't want to drink there. It's the same way, it, it be, it's no different than saying, well, they serve tea and coffee here and I don't want to drink it. That's fine, go and drink some cask beer. There's still yeah. plenty of it <laughs> yeah. available. I, it doesn't need to be a debate. The other debate, of course, is always um, assuming it's just like the one in Manchester they've always had an international bar with keg beers on from other countries so why can't they have them from Great Britain yeah and they have bottled beers from lots of different countries yeah. where it's not it's not real ale in the bottle is it so and also it's just that for me it's a, what would have been quite good if they'd managed not to use inverted commas and the live craft keg yeah because no one no one really is bothered generally most of the punters will be trying it aren't bothered um, and secondly wouldn't it have been quite good if they'd actually not announced it I want to just let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now that, that's interesting that you say that because a couple of days before this news broke, <laughs> there, there, there was a particular tweet from a particular owner of a particular Scottish brewery saying, if we play nicely, can we bring our beers to the Great British Beer Festival? Coinci- coincidence? Never. Brewdog don't do anything by coincidence. They knew this were happening, was happening and they were trying to get their way into this bar. Um, to which they were kind of rebuffed quite quickly by the, the GBBF saying, sorry, we're full for this year. Yeah. Which, to be uh, fair, on the GBBF thing, I imagine that the actual brewery bars are yeah. fixed pretty up early on and most of them are the ones which are there every year and very much the, the traditional yeah. ones anyway. But, yeah, it can't be coincidence. No. But I, I for one, hope it's a success and, and I hope it is a great showcase oh, it of, of, of British beer. And if it's something that continues, might actually might make me buy a ticket to the Great British Beer Festival. Not this year. But you'd but still have to go those first couple of days unless they're going to bring y- in extra supplies. Yeah, yeah. Is, is it still that Olympia place that I hear so much about yeah. being the worst venue ever? But, again, I've not No, Earl's Call was way worse than Olympia. The thing with Olympia is a bit of a pig to get to and from as well. It's, it's, it's like a greenhouse as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's all glass it can get very warm in there. Yeah. I think Olympia's a lot nicer when they've held it at Earl's Court. Um, but it's just a bit of a pig travelling-wise. Yeah. So while we're on Cast Beer in Scotland, 
See what I did there? Oh, very good. See, see what I did there? It's fun seeing this uh, live, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> um, Marsden's have announced that they're pulling cask ale from all of its Scottish pubs. Um, so they're replacing all of the lines with keg beers across 22 managed sites in Scotland um, following a review of the volume sales. Uh, they are continuing to supply cask beers to free houses in, in Scotland but will be replacing cask ales in its managed site in its managed sites with keg varieties such as Pedigree and Hobgoblin IPA. Uh, sorry, the, the world champion award winning Hobgoblin IPA. <laughs> Give it its full title. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, their, their, their pub operations director said, uh, Carscale policy for our pubs is in Scotland is no, is no different to anywhere else in the UK. In the UK. Criteria is set by throughput to ensure we maintain quality control and expected, expected by our customers. We'll continue to sell cars, but there just isn't demand in our own pubs. Um, what, what do we think about this? It's Does that say more about the, their own beer and their own pubs than cask beer in Scotland? Does, does it say more for the, 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 the Scottish desire for good no, cars? Been, Mark, yeah. you've just been to Scotland. <laughs> it's, it's a good... Do you know what? You two have, between you, that's, it's, I, it looks like it being 50% of each. Now, the, um, and there might, there might be some listeners who completely disagree, but it seems like there's a, a, a very different drinking culture up there when it comes to cast. There's not the desire desire for it in certainly parts of the rural areas and therefore it just doesn't sell but my other point would always be they want to ask themselves why Marston's this this will become part of you know the the end of year cask report and all that and cask sales are down again and look what happened to Marston's and stuff but the fact is the the pubs themselves want to ask why the cask beer wasn't selling was it was it poorly kept? What, what, you know, is it the fact that the beers themselves are crap and people don't have a desire for that? If every pub in Scotland had Jarl on, I bet they'd be selling for fun. But maybe they don't want to drink Marston's Pedigree. So, which there's a you know that there's more of a thirst for better beer, and people, I, I see you know there's a lot of pubs around me that serve cask absolutely fine. It's just not cask that I want to drink, and maybe that's what's happening in Marston's pubs. Marston's want to ask themselves why they can't sell that beer and it's because it could but yeah their own beer in their own pubs they can't sell that version of it no but so they're still going to sell that yeah, beer but, but they're just going to so they're not yeah, selling yeah, the yeah. no they're, they're, they're taking the, the cask out yeah. and they're replacing it yeah. so they replace it with the cake so yeah. that will still that will feel colder so you know, I wouldn't go for a pint of pedigree on cake oh, if oh, I was going to oh. have a pint of pedigree it would, I would want it in good condition on cask so and and that people. is another one of those beers that that when it is when it's kept well and it's served right, it's actually a fairly decent pint on cask. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't have hobgoblin these days regardless, um, unless it's one one of those boxes when people go mine. You like it's funny beers. Here he goes. Yeah, but they tend not to get those boxes so much now. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, you know, as far as I'm aware, there is definitely a, there's def- definitely still a good quality cask market in Scotland. And if Marston's can't sell their own beer in their own pubs, where they can choose their own prices almost and dictate conditions, seems a bit bizarre. Very much so. It'll just annoy me because this will come back in the end of year cast report, like I say, and it'll be like, well, cast sales are down another 6%. And um, almost similar to what Jan was talking about in the last podcast with Marble, you know, he lives in her own bubble, in her own pubs, and he's just like, no problem with cask here. Yeah. And I sometimes feel like I'm like that. In pubs that I go in, I know that it's. What the 
what everybody wants to drink cask beer. There's no problems there. But they also want to drink good cask beer. Yes. And I mean that in a variety of pubs. They don't want to... If they came in and it was Hobgoblin and Pedigree, um, then they would walk back out again and go somewhere else. The, the desire to drink cask beer, but they still want to drink good quality cask beer. Um, and yes. I assume... Not you know seeing the full lineup of what was in these pubs, so I'm being a bit presumptuous here that the there was basically nothing worth drinking in these pubs, and that's not being in a, a beer bubble. It's outside of the beer bubble. There's uh, a real desire to drink things like Yal and Sonoma and North Riding Mosaic, the beers that I talked about in, a, in that recent blog post. Um, people like those flavors of all ages. Um, of all walks of life um, there's a desire to drink those beers and even if they were pedigree drinkers before they go back to it and it's like this is absolutely even they've even though there's people that have never used the term it's too malty this that have suddenly learned it at 65 years yeah. of age and gone it's too malty yeah. this beer I don't enjoy it um, so again maybe being a bit presumptuous but I'm just thinking Marston's are probably to blame for their own downfall here. So. And the last news story, while we're talking about parting uh, with, with our cash, um, is it okay to just order tap water in a bar? This uh, not not so much a news item in 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 so far in itself, as in the discussion that kicked off uh, over this particular incident. So um, Sam Espenson who's the co-founder of Bristol Spirit in Redfield, Bristol, uh, recently sparked a fierce debate online after she urged customers on Facebook to stop ordering free tap water with their meals. Um, she explained that uh, they were missing, that, that she as a, as a restaurant and bar owner was missing out on drink sales uh, and it meant that she wasn't making enough money from her diners. Um, her bar sells naturally infused spirits as well as wines and beers and, and they can't make a profit when customers eat food from pop-ups without buying drinks. So this is, a, this is kind of a pop-up type uh, city mm-hmm. that, that type, type place and, and people are going in they're ordering the food, but then they're asking for tap water with, with it, so they're not having to pay for the drinks. Um, what, what, what do we think about this? Is this is this commonplace? Yeah. Not you know. Three hours ago, I went to the Royal Oak. I was I was in there. It's a Harvey's pub. Somebody had recommended it to me as a when I said I want to go in a pub pub, um, and it, it certainly was. And. I couldn't believe it, you know, going into tonight's recording, that a group of six Tories came in and sat down and ordered six glasses of tap water. And the guy said, you know, you're going to have to order something. So one of them had a Coke. Um, okay. Well, and that, then, that feels like it's taking the piss. That is taking and piss. then they were looking at the food menu and it's like, well, there might be some food shifting here. Yeah. So they're obviously thinking this is okay because we're going to order food. Um, and if your business model, it, you, you, people criticised the, the business model yeah. of this Bristol bar. And um, if your business mo- model means that you don't really get the takings of food, which we're seeing again more commonplace, you know, in pubs or, or even in brewery taps, that the the food comes from an outside source. And if people are just going for the food and. I, I'm far too polite. I, I cringe at the idea. I'm the kind of person that if I go into a pub just to use the toilet, I'll still just buy a half down at the bar and then go and have a piss. I've done that as well. Know, because I'm yeah. just too... Or, you know, at the very least, a bag I, of crisps. I, 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 yeah. I'll buy something. If I'm going into a pub to, to 
blatantly use their toilet because I don't I don't want to be that person that that's that, it. And I, I couldn't in all just honesty just in myself go to somewhere and just drink tap water even if at least a lime and soda yeah, or something. As a group of people, I don't know why you'd go to a pub to eat food if you're not going to have a drink, as in a beer or something. I don't. Yeah. There's plenty of places to go where you, where the food will cost more anyway, and it's done on site, and they won't mind you having water, and then probably charge you for it anyway. But if I go to a pub, it's rare. I'm sure it has happened. When I've had to do the the driving bit, but part of the group has also has been drinking. And so I can't see the point of going to a pub for food if you're not having a beer. No, you make, you make an evening of it, don't yeah. you? Yeah. for me that's, that's the point in, interesting you saying that so, so, so when I was in Belgium there was a few occasions where we were in bars and we were eating or, or, or we were drinking and I said oh I actually wouldn't mind a glass of water just because I want something that, that's not beer mm. you, you know just to cleanse my palate and, and you'd ask for every time we asked for, for some water there, there was no option on, on tap water it was what size bottle do you want it was it was always the, the assumption that you were you were buying water yeah. to, to, to drink so, and, and I know that, you know, again, one of the comments said, apparently you, you're required by law in the UK to provide tap water if, if you provide Yeah, it. but I, mean, I reckon that, that law probably was quite clearly brought in to help with like sensible drinking, in addition to you purchasing a drink. Probably well, was, I can't imagine it was written and brought into law so that people could just drink water. Yeah. You, you see this a lot in, in Scotland, and I think it's really great that there's, uh, and you've seen it more and more now down here as well. Um, that if there's not water bottles, flip-top ones already on your table to have alongside your beer, mm. then it's on the bar available yeah. to have. Um, I think it's a great idea and um, something that we should see more of. I wonder if that would discourage people then asking for just that at the bar because then you'd feel really bad if you just walked into a place and sat down and just got the table yourself to water, there. yeah yeah so i don't know if that would discuss or whether people just are that rude i don't mm. know I, I i'm quite happy having the access to water but it's in addition to not yeah. instead of i, I want yeah. it as a as, as an compliment to what if, if i'm out on on a session because sometimes you, you want it to cleanse your palate yeah. you, you, and you, i definitely want used to it. sit in sports bars in public showed football you'd get groups coming in and they would do that buy one drink and then a group of them would sit down with some water and one drink. That don't pay. That don't pay for the pub to have Sky Sports on. Mm. So it's yeah. not cheap. Yeah. So yeah, very annoying, especially if they're taking up some pr- prime space as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You definitely you see that certainly in like World Cup season and stuff. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. And, um, and I, I, I think that was actually mentioned in the articles um, that you know there might be people coming in that are being turned away for food as well. That for all you know, we're going to buy six bottles of champagne with a meal yeah. or something. Um, but there you go while we've been discussing the news we've finished that beer oh um, yeah I, I, I love that that, that was really nice that, that's been out of the three we've had so far that's been my probably my favourite out of the three of them and it's the one you'll probably n- never be never be available again yeah. so I'm glad you enjoyed it <laughs> yeah no, thank you very much for that I mean it's definitely not one I'd come across before um, it did put me in mind of a, a barley wine when I was drinking it without it being as heavy as a barley wine I thought yeah. it was just really it's nice. very light very light very drinkable yeah, and it didn't feel like the 7.2 or 7.4 that Mark said it was no no. no so I definitely enjoyed that Yeah. before we go on with the rest of the show now we're going to um, do what a lot of listeners have been quite excited about we're, we're going to do the draw for the uh, exclusive artwork that we spoke about in in the last show that Nick Nick produced for us 
And nearly entered this competition as well. Oh, that would, that would have been a bit dodgy if you drawing your own name, wouldn't it? Um, we had uh, we set a competition on that show, and it wasn't until I listened back to it that I realised that we had been particularly ambiguous about the question that we yeah, asked. No, but as we well. did ask the question at the end. We asked the question at the end. <laughs> Basically, uh, we, we we asked right at the beginning of the show. Uh, Nick mentioned that the Gamma Ray Man was stood in in a very famous pose from a, a Star Wars film and yeah. we asked uh, I think we asked which actor and character it, well, managed to and say or both. character it was uh, the, the right answer basically we were taking either Han Solo or, or Harrison Ford um, so we, we've got about 19 entries there are 19 entries in this envelope so Mark would you do the honours please this is an exciting moment. This here. is. We've got no idea. As, no, this is possibly our most popular competition that we've we've ever run. This one. Do you want me to read the name? Please. Or? Yep. It is uh, Guzzler at lagging underscore boat. Congratulations to Guzzler there for winning the artwork. Yeah, brilliant. Um, well done. Yeah, I mean some cracking artwork and there. Uh, and thank you, Mark, for for being our independent adjudicator. Oh. And and thanks to everyone for entering. Yeah. As, uh, You're as, more as than well. welcome, Guzzler. Next bit has been poured for us. Mark, what have you got for us now? Uh, so, even though I try to keep everything quite different tonight, I couldn't resist this. It's uh, Imperial uh, Grodziska, or whatever we decided, the Grodzki style, that the first beer from that we had this evening was. Um, now, being an Imperial one, it is 6.9%, which is... Certainly more than enough to, you know, if if it was a stout or an IPA, you might not consider that imperial you strength. But, that. Yeah. but when it's a beer that's normally 2.5%, it certainly is. Um, they actually brewed this with, as a collab with a brewery in Poland that's from Grodzisk, that's uh, just started brewing again after 20 years. Um, so... We're going to get some of them similar sort of flavours that we got in that first beer, but uh, amplified, I should think. Yep. Well, cheers. cheers. Well, I mean, the first thing to say is there's definitely smoke on the nose, isn't there? Yeah, th- th- there is, mm. but the difference being to, if, if we do it as a direct comparison to the first one, yeah. for me, it's not as medicinal this time. It's, yeah, I mean, I didn't really get the medicinal, but... smoky. The, the smoke is definitely overriding yeah. aroma this time. Yeah. But again, not that... Uh, sort of bacon bacon fries no kind of aroma that you might expect no I, I did consider at one point actually doing little food pairings with each one of what I consider smoke things that you know when everyone says oh this beer tastes like bacon uh, uh, comparing each individual smoke flavour that we've had this evening to what I consider the one I, I did say it's a different type of bacon y- yes well just maybe <laughs> but I did say the old ale that we just had from Cloud Auto reminded me of like pulled pork kind of smoke mm. I'd say this one reminds me more of either uh, Frankfurter sausages or Bavarian smoked cheese um, if I was going if I was going to compare it to a type oh, of smoke I'm food. getting that yeah I, I, yeah I think the latter definitely that you know it's that like those tubes of cheese aren't they yeah I, I mean I have to admit I love that in cheese yeah yeah and this is that, a, it's like a softer creamier version of smoked cheese isn't it the yeah, yeah. one um, I don't think you mentioned this is from Marble. So, so this is. Oh, did I not? I no, did, no. You, right. said, you said it was a collaboration yeah. with, <laughs> with, right. with, with brewery, but uh, this uh, is. Uh, so it's not. Yeah, it's not. A, it's certainly not a tall side one. So yeah, sorry. It's from Marble Brewery. Um, they brewed this actually late last year. So again, um, 
the, the, you'll find that both the Germans and the uh, Poles who were very proud of their smoked beer traditions would argue that um, the smoked malt makes beers um, last a lot longer um, and I still think this is relatively fresh. It does use a hop called Octavia uh, or Octavia um, which is uh, an experimental Polish hop I believe as well so it still uses all Polish hops but it's actually using one that's uh, relatively new on the scene as well. Yeah, I've not heard of that um, one. Not me either. So, uh, well, hops do seem to be turning up more more frequently with new names. But yeah, on the taste, would you say it's coming with? Uh, you said it, a bit more smoke on the nose. Uh, can you see the resemblance in the first beer? Or? I, oh. I, I can. I for, can. For, for me, the, the 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 difference with this one is there's a whole lot more body going on. So so it's not as effervescent in the mouth. It's not as lively in the mouth. It's I mean, it's still well conditioned. But it's it, it feels a lot thicker in terms of the beer. That's what I was going to say. And, it definitely and, feels thicker. Yeah, and it and it, it, it does still finish with that crisp, refreshing, and and you could imagine drinking this really cold in the summer as as yeah. as, as, as something to refresh yourself. Well, because this has had time to chill, unlike the the first uh, Krodsky beer that we had. Uh, you can those things that we were talking about how it would be nice as a summer drink. You can get it more in this yeah. one because yeah. this is colder. So, but. Again, I know you, you reiterated at the start that it wouldn't normally be considered imperial at, at the sub seven percent. But for the style, it for is the style imperial. Of it is, but yeah. although it does feel like it's got a slightly thicker mouthfeel, it still doesn't. And I know we repeat, we're sort of repeating ourselves, but what it, whatever this must be about these kind of beers, the beers you've chosen in particular, this game doesn't drink like a six point eight. Did you say six nine? Six nine. Yeah. It doesn't drink like just under seven no. percent. Uh, maybe it's because it's got flavours I'm not so used to and I'm focusing much more on those but I'm definitely not feeling it well I probably will feel it later <laughs> it's a Monday night when we're recording um, but it doesn't it doesn't drink like it's a 7% beer no absolutely not um, again it's, de- it's it's this style that you've got here and we've now had the lower the more the traditional ABV style and now the imperial style it's definitely been the two of the smokiest beers we've had out of the four mm. for me it's where the smoke has really come through, but again, not that bacon fry type of smoke that maybe was being expected. Not not what you was hoping for in terms of me pulling a smoked face. Yes. No. Okay. No. It's, been, it's been a disappointing evening all around. So. <laughs> there's, there's, there's still beers to come. Mark, yeah. Mark has just left there, the building. There's still time. <laughs> While we finish off uh, this one then, uh, let's get into the, the, the second question. Opinions, opinions, opinions. Opinions, opinions. This one's simply, what's your preference? Uh, go-to beers or new beers? So 411 votes uh, and a very close one, th- th- this one. So we got um, 56% on the new beers and, and 44% on, on go-to beers. So very, very close in, in terms of what people were saying here. Now, uh, a few comments on, on this and as, as always... Um, we'll, we'll we'll jump in. First up from Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. It has been new beers since my journey began, but the last six months or so has drifted back towards go-tos. So that's why I voted. I will always try new beers due to a rampant disappointment ratio. I now hit the old faithfuls a lot more. That's 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 quite an interesting comment, um, and that's one that certainly 
resonated with me quite a lot and possibly without putting words in his mouth I'm guessing may also resonate with our guest this evening I, I think it might be a full I think it might be bingo yeah yeah because I uh, I certainly got to a point probably a while ago now maybe towards the tail end of last year beginning of this year where I was fed up spending quite large sums of money on 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 new beers only to be completely and wholly disappointed by them i'm much more likely to try the new beers at home when i'm able to sort of split a can or a bottle with michelle when i'm out i automatically i sort of default to generally a beer i trust even just as a starting point while i'm browsing and that will nearly always be looking at the cast lineup first of all and then f- for me, it probably will be either an old faithful or maybe new beer from a an old faithful brewery. I mean, I'm right right where Martin is on that. Um, that when I'm out, I want I I would prefer something at the moment that I've I know that I, I enjoy and that's that actually gets me excited. If I if I'm sat at my desk at work and. You know the the pub that I go in after work comes up with uh, a tweet saying that one of my favourite beers is on. Like uh, uh, you know, at the moment I know that North Riding Mosaic's on, and I wish it. You know, the only the only thing that I'm regretting about being here right now <laughs> is that if I had been at work today on this Monday, I would have finished work and gone straight for the North Riding Mosaic. That gets me excited excited more than oh they've got that new beer on from that new brewery. I'll try that when I get in, but that's because there's nothing else on. But when I'm at home, I do tend to still buy the, you know, one-offs and things to just sit with, try at home and things like that. But yeah, certainly when I'm out, I prefer, I'm definitely a, a go-to beers kind of person. And I think, um, so the next comment again lends itself to that. Your boy Rob Edwards at Rob underscore Edwards 90. Uh, a year ago I probably would have said new beers but I'm really enjoying turning to my old favourites these days whether it be Cask, Best Bitter or the likes of Steady Rolling Man uh, Two Songs Two Beers podcast at Two Songs Two Beers finding new and exciting beers is great but there's nothing quite like sitting, sitting back and sipping something you know you love it's like getting a big hug from a dear old friend oh and right oh yeah, yeah and that's I, and quite I think, a good analogy that yeah. one isn't it I think for me that, that was what your your most recent post about your love for Yarl was about oh, yeah. was, was was discovering that one beer that is 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 the one that you always want to drink now. Yeah, and I mean, again that hug analogy is uh, soppy as it is. It's absolutely true that every time I drink Yarl, I just I feel a bit fuzzy inside. It's uh, and it's a better feeling than just drinking a beer for the first time. Going, oh that's okay because that feels like what I talked about my beer journey. You know, 15 years ago was like, just, oh, that's all right, rather than, oh, God, that's just great. <laughs> and, and if anybody's not read that post yet, it is in the show notes, yeah. uh, and we would encourage you to go and, and, and give it a read as well, oh, because it is, it is a real kind it's all of... It's right. it, it, well, it, <laughs> it kind of makes you stop and think. Yeah, and, no, I think and, it's a good one. And, and I think I think that's what I enjoyed about it the it, most. It's, it's got a good three paragraph introduction. So <laughs> yeah, so it's, prepare, it's truthful. prepare yourself for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from uh, Point to Brew at Point to Brew, I like having some good go-to beers in at all times, and likewise like to get some good beers I've not had before if drinking out, which is sort of the reverse of what we just said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, not always about new beers if drinking out, but like trying new cans with my dad at home, so it depends on context, I suppose. 
and with a similar comment as well from Cask Theology at Cask Theology. Um, and then we add, I've chosen you because I'm an absolute slave to hype. However, I'm not sure where regular seasonals fit into this. And that's from Charlie Ailing at Charlie underscore Ailing. That's something that doesn't exist as much as it used to. What, seasonal beers? Yeah, you know, when the... Again, going back to that period um, pre-2009 where um, other things were going on, that uh, breweries just... Certainly like the family brewers would always have their core range followed by four beers that were going to be available spring, autumn, winter and... Yeah, an autumn one would have a red, a red beer... Yeah, have a dark beer or an old ale for the winter season, and it just doesn't. Re- that, that kind of thing's disappeared now. That, that's why when Cloudwater first came out, I'm going to do seasonal brewing. It really quite excited me. It's like modern craft version of seasonal brewing because I got brought up a, a time when um, the, the, all all breweries sort of did seasonal beers. So, so yeah, that's an interesting point. I've not thought about seasonal beers yeah. for a long time. Mm-hmm. It used to be new beers. But I think it's too much of a gamble these days. The quality of some of the beers that I'm paying lots for in the interest of brewers always having something new. And that's from Hop Forward at Hop Forward Beers. I think it's all that goes where you where, where I am. I, yeah. I, I won't take that risk on, yeah. on on paying a lot of money now for a new beer uh, because I don't I don't know whether it's going to be any good. Yeah. Um, and from Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. New beers mainly, but anything over six quid a can... I think twice about. It's easy to make an expensive mistake these days. But then again, if I see it, cast dry pour. Nah, I, you know, part of that I'm definitely going to agree with. Yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> I think we're always going to agree with cast dry pour, aren't we? Yeah, if I see cast dry pour, I will buy it. But that's because I don't see it very often either. I know, I, I, I see it very frequently, and so I'm not really, uh, can I have a brag here? Does or, it, does it just know? kind of pass you by now? How, how fre- <clears throat> you know, you see it so frequent that it, it's not a thing whereas for us if we would see cast Jaipur it'd be like the most amazing day ever yeah quite, quite possibly I, th- I think Jaipur links into just my um, I, I, I don't tend to try and limit myself or think too much about things but th- after work I just fancy something that's around the 4% mark and um, in, in the pub um, and because so, it means that I can have three or four of them and when I see Jaipur I think it's going to be one at the most, and if it's tasting good, then this can go south quite quick. So it's just easier to avoid it entirely. I mean, I think so. the thing is, my, my sort of like top three cask beers, I, even with Adams being south, I don't see that often. So Ghost Ship, Landlord, and Jaipur, I don't see very often. So they're my sort of top three favourite cask beers. So out, if I do out, see them, I do get I see Ghost Ship probably the most. But you've got a pub not far from where you are now, which actually has it. Which stocks, which stocks Adam beers, yeah. yeah. So I know, I know exactly where I can go to get cast ghost ship now. Yeah, I moved away from the stuff, which was really poor of me. For my my love for Michelle knows no bounds. I moved away further away from ghost ship. Uh, from someone vying to be number one fan, Paul at UNRC. <laughs> well, no, he is, he is current number one fan. Well, I, th- mm-hmm. I think we're saying buying. Has, has he ever been on Periscope? <laughs> oh, that's, that's a very good point. Uh, for me, it's still about new beers. I do have go-to beers, but I still will choose a beer I haven't tried before, before one I had already the majority of the time. So, I mean, Paul's still, I think, would probably agree, but he's probably still quite 
early into his beer journey, isn't he? Well, I think he commented on on because I, I made a comment about Mark's post saying I'm in a very, I, I feel as I'm in a very similar place that I, I've reached a point where I'm no longer I'm no longer bothered about chasing beers. If I'm in a place where there's something new, I'll I'll give it a try. But I, I generally would tend to look look for a good old faithful that I know yeah. I can have a have a good session. I mean, take bottle share last week you know there was that range of beers on in the owl house but yet you and i were quite happy to <laughs> smash pints of roadie of, of signature brews roadie all night long because it was tasting absolutely yeah. bang on and well, it, 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 it was today in the old fountain by the yeah. way um no I, paul was very much at the back of my mind in a comment that i made in that blog um because mine's been going on as i say since i was 16 so it's 16 years now correct me if i'm wrong but Paul's maybe two or three years yeah. into his yeah. uh, beer journey, um, and there's a comment I, ma- I made in that post that you know Paul was one of the people in the back of my mind because it was about how it doesn't matter what, um, wh- whether you started it when you were 16 or whether you started it when you were 94. You know, some people are still um, in that early process of those days when you're still absorbing everything and that's still an exciting mm. place to be in yeah i didn't want people to read that post or you know even answer this poll and go oh yeah I, i'm bored of beer now if, if some when i see people like paul that are still getting excited about things that's great it excites me it excites me to have those conversations with people so. but i do still love finding a new beer or new brewery and obviously last year north riding i discovered and their beers and half acre in the states yeah so when i do discover something new and i love and i find that i start to fall in love with them and their beers then i do i do get that, that genuine excitement comes back again well, you can still discover things that are new but it doesn't the thing about the old faithful thing it doesn't mean that you still get excited when you're about to have a pint of cast jai pour so it's yeah still an exciting it's just a different kind different of excitement, excitement yeah definitely yeah, yeah. Um, uh, from Rhythm and Brews at uh, Rhythm and Brews UK there's no escaping but a quick look at the current seller in inverted commas so I'm assuming he means the same as everyone else covered, covered. Yep. shows it's all about the new or rather one-off beers still very much a FOMO mofo uh, <laughs> but trying new beers is fun right so a bit similar my, my, a lot of my stuff at home is the one-offs um, and the stuff I haven't necessarily tried as opposed to when I go out but we we would we assume that was Luke or Andrew because I mean, there's a lot of love for New England IPAs and the sort of big milkshake beers that go on in that podcast, which is yeah. fine. So you would very much still be excited by things that are new. When um, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the, the phrase FOMO mofo is, is not Luke. something that I'd hear coming out of Andrew. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I can't I can't picture that. Uh, they may very well prove us wrong. But I'm guessing that was Luke yeah. sa- sa- I'm, saying I'm, that. I'm sure if we are wrong, they will let us know. I'm sure they will. <laughs> um, and then finally from Rintra at Rintra56, I voted new because that has been the way for so long now. But to be honest, I'm finding more and more that I'd rather make sure I'm spending the money on something I can be confident is good. I'm past the got-to-try-them-all approach now, which is... Again, absolutely where I'm at now. I, mm. I, I just, I, I've been through that phase of I, I, I need to try every new beer. Oh, I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And, also and now I'm just like, uh, but it's actually more difficult anyway. It's only beer. So three or four years ago, I thought I, I feel like it was easier to try and catch them all. If we go to like a oh, you, you the just, Pokemon, yeah, you just can't now. Kind of analogy, yeah, you, you yeah. can't. But whether it's 
a combination of more breweries releasing more beers more often or the fact that with social media you're more aware of it you would do really well yeah and you'd have to be consuming quite a lot of said beers to keep on top of the potential hype and FOMO anyway I think I think even if beers were sort of hyped up as well there was it was maybe there was just less people interested in beer I don't know but it was kind of relatively easier to get hold of them than now when there seems on human cannonball is the only thing that I can ever remember being a case of you need to buy it now because it's going to sell out and otherwise you don't yeah. get to try yeah. it um, whereas now there's a lot of I'm not saying they sell out that quickly but certainly if you're thinking oh I know I know that place that I order offline it has that beer in but it's not payday till Friday but by Friday it's sold out it's there's a lot more of that so. yeah definitely yeah so um, I mean there's always loads of great comments yeah I mean that's only a small selection to be honest once again yeah and there is a, once again a link in the show notes to the question if, if you want to see all the answers the world's biggest show notes go, at the moment go, go and have a, have a have a click on that link and have a look and if you've got views about anything that we've we, we've said in either of the polls so far use the hashtag opinions and we will find you and you may very well appear in this next part of the show let us know write it down let us know write it down let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingo Write it down. As we're getting into this, Mark is pouring us our next beer, so we'll, we'll start off by saying we did have some feedback, which was uh, was not in the public domain, so it was offline. Uh, somebody DM'd us, which we're always open to as well because our, our, our DMs are open. Um, one of our listeners uh, did make some feedback about a previous show where we may have used um, homebrew in a homebrew beers in a slightly derogatory sense in in, yeah. in, in terms of um, oh this beer tastes like bad homebrew or, or, or something like that. Uh, I just want to make a point at, 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 at this stage that it wasn't our intention to offend with, 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 with that. Uh, we've always tried to champion home brewing on 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 well, beer. I, think I said show. earlier, I'm always I, I am always amazed and a goal get that people can produce this little bit of magic in my glass at home. A- absolutely, you know, we did we did a couple of beers on 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 tonight's Periscope. Which, which were amazing homebrew beers. We've done one before the show, which was a homebrew that we've been sent. We're going to have one after the show that's a homebrew that we've been sent. And our uh, Essex Boxer always has one, yeah. if not two, homebrews. Yeah, we are, we are big homebrew fans. So, so yeah, def- uh, def- def- apologies, apologies if, uh, if, if, if comment was. missed the mark uh, a, a little bit. Before we get into the rest of Bitter and Linganis, Mark, we have a dark beer in our glasses. Uh, what have you poured for us this time? Terribly poured, but uh, I've okay. Got the biggest head in the world well actually no you've come no, actually, second to mine bigger, yeah. um, I, the, this is Torside's Rauk Wine the uh, 2017 version I oh. believe so uh, it's basically a smoked barley wine which if um, I c- could just design a beer that I want people to make because my favourite beers are smoked beers and barley wines but nobody was doing a, a combination of the two at the time until Torsai came along and did so and I thought absolutely brilliant is it going to be my favourite beer of all time and I think it has won such an accolade on my golden pints for the last two years if I remember correctly um, this particular one is 82% smoked so malt <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I panicked then as well I was like you're doing what to us now? 
It's only 10% strength. Oh, right, okay. Oh, that's all right. Oh, that's all right then. So normally 10% I would feel was quite strong, but after the 82% start... Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like we should... Uh, I'll talk more about yeah, the beer okay, once we've had some. That smoky is really quite wow. subtle, isn't it? Yeah. There's um, hardly any of it on the nose. There's, there's, there's a hint there, but there's more... I'm getting kind of some... Almost some like, and and it, it, it's possibly because of the, the barley wine influence, but almost some like rich fruitcake notes coming through yeah. on the nose. Maybe maybe almost like smoked fruitcake, um, and then it's it's a big old thick beer. That there's lots of body going on in there. Yeah, this one this one's probably the first beer tonight, which I feel like we're getting towards. It's drinking. It's eighty two percent. Yeah, yeah. You know you're drinking an eighty two percent beer. Definitely point, drinking eighty two percent beer, but. Um, I would echo what you just said. I mean, the, the, the smoke's quite subtle. You are getting those fruitcake notes coming through, and they both follow through on the taste as well. well That's in, incredible. Interestingly, uh, I mean, Torside are known a lot for their smoke beers now, and you know, understandably so because they love brewing smoke beers, um, and so it comes up in conversation a lot. If, you, if you're trying to find a British brewer that does smoke beers, you're going to go to but. Their barley wines are second to absolutely none as they, well. They're, they're in, part in of the, the Monster series, aren't they? Yeah. It's, like, it's the American barley wine style as well, isn't it? So they're big fans of big beers and they um, properly party guile a lot of their beers to use terms that I'm hoping I'm pronouncing correctly again. Um, I, I recognise that one. Yeah, it's, it's, is, what, it's what Fuller's do. That's what Fuller's do. Fuller's yeah. do an awful lot of proper party yeah. guy and, and then uh, blend things. That's where how ESP be, comes they're, about. Their beer stuff. starts uh, just the one beer, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it, in fact, on the, it'll, it'll be on the side because mon, uh, the Monster series um, will always say this monster was party guiled from, and this was Hot from Rauk 1, which was a smoked bitter that they did, which unfortunately wasn't available for today I'm sure you would have loved it it's yeah. lovely on cask nice smoked bitter um, <laughs> Steve would be buying it straight away yeah. but because of that the, the thing is their barley wines I could do an entire show about barley wines as well you know if, if, ever, if when ever are you coming back, back? <laughs> no, no no when are you coming back uh, maybe, when's the barley wine show <laughs> happening maybe not on a Monday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just put it out there maybe a Monday yeah. night London based recording not it's not going to work yeah. um, oh, that, but, that, that but, is really that's but really good genuinely their barley wines are absolutely fantastic so for them to then just turn around and be like oh we're doing a smoked barley wine that is, that is pretty much the moment I thought are you sure that I've not fabricated this brewery because I've, you're just brewing beers I that I say, want to drink? What's the phrase? Like, you, did you wish really hard, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> because I'd said for years that one thing that I wasn't seeing and much of in the British uh, beer scene, which it, it was actually, it, it does happen a lot in the American beer scene, which people say that we copy the American beer scene, but there are a lot of breweries... Um, and breweries that you'll know the names of in America that are brewing smoke beers and are brewing barley wines, they just don't get imported over here because they don't think they'll sell over here. So we only ever see the pale ales and the IPAs. Um, and so that's all we assume that they make. Yeah. But they make an awful lot of them over there. And it used to frustrate me that we didn't really see any of it over here. And then Torsai just started a brewery and we're like, that's literally all we're going to make. So if barley wine is life, is this like the afterlife for you? <laughs> As I say, it, it, 
it, it was about if you, you can still say you're going to do a smoke by wine. Is it going to be as good as I hoped it would be? And it absolutely is. Um, so that, 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 that is superbly well balanced, and it does it does tick those boxes. But it does seem to have somehow struck some sort of happy medium between the, both those. There's a beautiful sweetness flavors. on the finish yeah. that, that is just laced with a very subtle kind of dark smokiness going on in that, and and it works. It it absolutely works. It balances out so well. Yeah, it's awesome. But yeah. I, w- I would say the the smokiness on this. Um, and I mean, it will be uh, Bam- Bamberg Beach Malt, but it reminds me more of the kind of sausagey smokiness that you get on some of the stronger Schlenkler beers as well. If I was going to describe the smokiness, it might well be that because it's a couple of years old, uh, the smokiness has started to fade, and we're getting more of that barley wine because we all know barley wines age really well. Yeah. So it might well be that. It might be that uh, the fresher Rauk wines are, are much more smoky on. No, on the, on the forefront rather. So, uh, but yeah, no. I'm, I, like I say, it's my favourite beer in uh, in the world at the moment. I just um, even more so than Yal, but I, I don't want to drink this all the time. <laughs> no, <laughs> you'd be going. Some of you were. Yeah. I can imagine why not? Yes. <laughs> um, diving back into this uh, feedback that we've had on previous shows, then. Um, so first of all, on uh, episode eighty-five, which was the the art episode. Mark at Kelfired, fantastic nostalgia tri- show for me. Digar is the best house beer I've had. Spent many nights in Trap East, and we go to Ribs and Beer of Tamar in Bruges. Heading back to Belgium in July, and no doubt I'll do it all again. Only with Cantillon and Free Fontaine too. So uh, obviously two places that I didn't rush to when <laughs> I was in uh, Belgium. <laughs> Joshua Howes at Joshua A Howes. Enjoyed listening on my way home from work. Just got up to where you mentioned Colonel, which makes me want to share a controversial hashtag opinions. I've only had two kernel beers and I didn't get them at all any recommendations PS never tweeted you before but thanks for a really enjoyable podcast recommendations on the kernel where would you start with that because it's difficult to say we'll try this parallel or try this mm. IPA because they're ever changing I would go for one of their export India stouts that was exactly what I was going to say was if I, if I had to re- recommend a single kernel beer to anyone that doesn't it would really be the change. export India stout um, and I think it's you, the London 1860 version, is it, yeah. that they do? Or if you fancy something a bit different, one of the sours, like the Damson Sour or something. Yeah. That's what I'd go for. Because, the, the, yeah, the India Pale Owls and the, and the Pale Owls in general... Just forever changing, are forever they? changing. Yeah. That, you know, if you're an untapped user, then the Colonel is one of the best beers and one of the worst beers. Yeah. Because it's a nightmare to find. I'd go, I'd go for a dark beer. I, I think if you... And I, 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 don't, I don't know Joshua's beer journey, obviously, but I think um, if you, you were late to the uh, party, as it were, then Colonel's beers, just because... The, a bit like Thornridge, I find people say this about Thornridge's beers, people that were a bit late to the party, that they're so perfected, so clean, that people are almost underwhelmed by them. Um, it's a great be, comment. and consistent. Yeah, both both breweries produce some amazingly uh, consistent uh, and, beers, yeah, and therefore it'd be difficult to say, well, if you just have this kind of beer, I'm not saying that you should be. I'm not saying anyone should be um, enamoured by a certain beer at all. Um, but I mean, the, the beers you've just suggested there are, you know, absolutely outstanding. From their ever-changing IPA range, um, if. If you're not bothered by them now, then maybe it's just not your thing, and that's yeah. fine. 
Yeah. That's why I said I reckon the export India. Yeah, but maybe maybe move away from the power hours and the IPAs yeah. and try some of the other stuff. James at Gammon Barron, excellent show, chaps. It just so happens I've got I've still got a bottle of Strongman Bourbon Barrel Aged and the last six years of Fuller's Vintages. I do like the look of the new Thornbridge Necessary Evil. Mm. Roll on 2028. So James, <laughs> James is obviously still working on that 10-year um, ageing. Um, are, are, are you doing a necessary, necessary Evil on the show? We have been sent some by Thornbridge, which we're very grateful for. Uh, we just need to find the right show to, 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 to put the beer on. Because yeah. I, I bought... I, I bought one this week um, and I said to my partner I said if I wasn't doing a bloody smoke beer special we might have been drinking it on the yeah. podcast <laughs> shot myself in the foot there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I've got one so I'm looking forward to it yeah I, I'm very much looking forward to giving it a go we think we had a taste of it we when we went to the tape but, I don't, but yeah. we're not sure if it was the barrel version I don't version. think it was the barrel version yeah um, Kat Sewell at Katrina's my flight home was accompanied by the latest beer o'clock show with Nick Dwyer was very informative I learned a lot and will now be looking closer at and have much more appreciation for beer art that, that's great to hear because I think that's what we tried to do with that show was try to e- expand what's going on with, with, with beer and, and, and art and can designs and all that I actually peeled the label last night so me and Michelle Patrons we'll, we'll come to that hang on oh, we'll, no. we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that there is, there's a comment <laughs> in, in here for you um, Ian Hay at uh, I, I Hay uh, this was an excellent episode always enjoy them but really great and hearing from Nick was really interesting need to go and get some cans to study now and that's obviously the revelation that, that the blueprint is in the back yeah. of the, one of the cans uh, Duration Brewing at Duration Beer lovely listen an epic 2.5 hours enjoyed the Tate interview too cheers for putting in minority stake uh, James Yeo at Yeo underscore design is a talented lad and that's a shout out oh. for the, the, the designer of the artwork on that yeah. can and I'm um, glad they enjoyed the take interview yeah it was good fun that, that was nice to, to, to stop that in there Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia the Japanese style of repairing broken ceramics with gold that Nick mentioned <laughs> is called kin, kin, Kintsugi or Kintsukori uh, thanks, Sean. Um, Pronunciation's been great on this episode. I know, I know, but you can always rely on Sean to give us a fact, yes. an, an actual fact. And now, this is the moment. Uh, Mr. WP at Mr. Underscore WP. Still getting over the revelation that Martin has never peeled off a Patrons Project sticker before. I never had. Um, Did you I not know, read the show notes, Martin? <laughs> <laughs> um, I hadn't got to this bit, but the reason why I knew about... I was going to mention because Clayton also messaged me directly at work. Um, our creative director and said... And, in less eloquent terms, <laughs> suggested exactly the same thing. So, uh, yesterday, Sunday, or Saturday, me and Michelle said, shared one of the um, the coffee porter, the Temple Donut one. Yeah. And um, You peeled the label. I, I, I was actually almost about to put it in the recycling, and then I remembered. <laughs> oh, my word. And then I did peel the label, and I did have a bit of a read. So, yes, it is... See, I'm always learning. Was, always, you, was your mind I, blown? Did you, you know... Yeah. I'm not sure you... I remember to do it every time. <laughs> did you read all the words that were on there? No, no. I, think, I think a lot of the information is possibly largely the same, with, with a slant on the particular. I, I was find that they waffle for about three paragraphs. Because <laughs> you don't really need to. I suppose if Temple Donuts was closer to where I live, I may have read it a bit more. You, you might care a bit more yeah. about what you were reading, yeah. But yes, that that, that was a revelation to everyone. So uh, we've got some uh, bittering lingers for the last. What was the last show we recorded? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it all merged into one for us. Didn't we did it? It because we did it yeah, yeah, we recorded both those shows so in the same week. For, with our uh, when we went up to Manchester to meet the guys from Marlborough. From Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608. 
great show and the folks at Marble Brew clearly have a great passion and knowledge for all things beer. On the topic of cask, should a certain consumer group do more to protect pubs? If less pubs open, then less real ale will be sold. Mark, <laughs> <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on that one? <sighs> Bloody camera. Um, <laughs> I don't think that was mentioned. It's almost as if he knew. Um, yeah. I, th- I think you'd actually be surprised at my um, answers on this, is that camera actually do a lot for the protection of pubs. Um, and it's also not their modus operandi. There is um, groups for the protection of pubs. Camera is the campaign for real ale. Um, <clears throat> yes, obviously the two go hand in hand, um, so you would like more of that, but... Yeah, to to put the emphasis on them, they do actually already do an awful lot. It's the one thing that you can kind of give them credit for. It's the one thing, in fact, that they're constantly derided for is you you champion the Sam Smith's pubs, you champion Weatherspoons and stuff, but it's like they champion everywhere that sells cask beer. Yes, certain local groups that champion the cheapest brewery in the town, which does happen in my local camera constituency, is very annoying but on the whole um, are they um, helping to you can get tons of information packs on their own website about um, com- campaigning yourself to protect your local pub if you worry that it's going under so I, I think people will be surprised but I actually it's the one of the few things I can give camera credit for and one of the few reasons that I'm still a member I'd agree with Mark on that I think camera know that car scale is at its best when it's served in a pub in the right pub in the right way and so they're they're all we they are generally supportive and publicly supportive of pubs and they'll protect your pub and support your local and community pubs week that kind of stuff so yeah i would say they do a lot could they do more of course they could but i think mark's right that's not their their mo that wasn't there was never their reason for being at the start anyway yeah um but yeah i think they they do more than most <coughs> to champion pubs because they know that's where the cask is. Well, I'll say when it comes to camera is that I'm quite comfortable with them being the campaign for real ale. So when people got annoyed, I was a little bit annoyed. Steve, you were very annoyed um, at the thing that w- wasn't championing all good good beer as it was that was passed at um, the AGM, I believe. Well, it, uh, it, it resulted in me leaving. Yeah. Um, and I get that and... Uh, uh, but I, I also always think it's just like they are the campaign for real ale and we do know what that means and they're not the campaign for good beer there are a lot of dinosaurs to put it nicely uh, in there and it is frustrating at times but they are still just the campaign for real ale we can't expect them to save the world the rest of us can do that it's fine there we go <laughs> there you go Rich hope that answered your question <laughs> Um, from Beer Nouveau at Beer Nouveau, one of his shortest ever tweets to the show. Uh, absolutely brilliant podcast from these guys. Obviously, he's talking about Marvel. I was going to say, he's clearly thing. not talking about uh, this tweet. <laughs> so much knowledge, insight, and laughs. Um, can't disagree. It was a, a knowledgeable, insightful, and very amusing day spent with um, Jan and Joe. And uh, did he say this? Was he did one? Oh, it was uh, Pete from Hops and Hoops also. Brilliant stuff, can't beat a brewery interview, and Jan and Joe were great guests. 
set off from Newcastle to the Manchester region at 5.20 this morning and this made the journey fly by. That's great Great to hear that we're helping people on their commutes as well. Yes, you must all have long commutes. Yeah. Is all I can say. <laughs> Uh, listening to Beer O'Clock Show and Marble Brewers episode, I'm enjoying Joe bringing the real analogies to the conversation. Yeah, I mean, you know, Joe was honestly personified, wasn't he, with us? Absolutely, yeah. It was great to yeah. have him as a, as a guest. Yeah. Uh, from Paul at UNRCD, still vying for that number one. He, he is, he's trying to hold in. on to that yeah. title. Uh, great episode, love Jan and Joe. Need an 18 certificate on it. Um, trust me at times we needed more than 18 so well, we, do, we do carry an explicit rating on the podcast yeah. for that reason uh, with regards to the discussion about pubs and going there knowing what you will have to drink I disagree a bit I go to the hope not having any idea what they will have on but I know it will be great I suppose it helps when you know there's a, you've got a pub where you know they're going to have a selection of great beers on anyway yeah. but you don't need to know then do you I, I was planning on going to the hope this morning and I'm still half hoping to go tomorrow but we'll see uh-huh. So. Well, we still haven't made it. We've got an open invitation from Paul to go. Well, there. We have, just, yeah. It's just a, it's just a bit it's, off of our beaten track. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm definitely going to go same. now. Just you know. just to get there before yeah, us yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers, another cracker. I virtually always want to go for cars, given a free choice. But sadly, I find it's often a decision between a beer I want more on keg or a beer I want less on cask. Wish more styles made it to the hand pump. I hear you, Will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, from Ian Hay at Ian I I Hay. Loved the Marble episode, some brilliantly honest answers. Listened while walking tonight to avoid the football. And uh, finally, from Sean O'Reilly at Uncruelio. Um, I think he might be trying to throw another fact in here. I think so. So here we go. Regarding Curious Brew, Brew's production being quoted in kilo hectolitres, that's what KHL meant. In other words, 1,000 hectolitres. I can't help thinking that they've heard about the crib sheet on your show notes and they're messing with you by using a different unit. Yes. I, th- I think they were. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, just a few other comments that, that, that weren't necessarily related to recent shows. Uh, Pete at Hops and Hoops. Uh, you and Martin are always the first thing in my ear holes every other Thursday. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever I'm listening to when your show gets released gets paused and returned to after I've finished the Beer O'Clock show. You've done more than create a podcast. You've created a community too. Oh. Thank, thank you, Pete. Thank uh, you really appreciate that sort of comment because it we, we do have a great community uh, around this show, and it's it's nice that we're able to meet up with people every now and again and and and, and share a beer. Yeah, whether it be guests with, in the pub or on the Crimbo Crawl. Yeah. So Neil Hayden at Neil Hayden seventy three, completely agree, Pete. Uh, it's that community feel and the competition to be number one fan that makes it so special. For those of us that haven't had the pleasure of meeting Steve and Martin, they sound like two genuine blokes who you'd love to share a few beers with. Oh. It, what do you think, I'm, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to ruin the illusion for Neil. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as great as you think. <laughs> We've got another beer in front of us. Um, what have you have you served us? This was a bit of a late entrant, wasn't it? It was. It was two days ago, and it might have actually caught me out, which I'll say after you've actually tasted it. But it's uh, Elusive Brewery, um, who's obviously Andy Parker, nicest man in yep. beer TM. Big fans of Andy. Um, and a collaboration with Emperor's Brewery, who... I don't know a great deal or a lot no, about, about them. No, I've never heard of them. I don't, I don't know if they have their own brewery. I see a lot of them on the Facebook forums and stuff. Uh, they've done an Imperial Smoked Stout, 
which is 11.2%, so a bit of a come down from 82. Oh, well, um, just a step. Now there's added rum-soaked cacao nibs, there's some muscovado sugar in there, I think there's uh, locally sourced honey, um, but there is also smoke. I thought, we don't have an imperial stout in here, let's see what you think, and I'll tell you why I think... I've been caught out. I was trying. I was added this for a reason. Anyway, cheers. Okay. Cheers. And can I also say cheers for those couple of comments from Pete and Neil? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank, thank thanks you very for the much. feedback. We appreciate that. I, I, it's all sweetness on the nose. Yeah. yeah. Very it's, little yeah. smoke. It's very very sweet. Yeah. I was I was actually at a, a, a Andy was appearing at Beer Nouveau on a little pop up bar on Saturday, which is uh, when I picked up this. And I should say disclaimer: it's the only beer tonight that I didn't pay for. I told Andy, I'm gonna buy one of those and take it to this show, and he said, take one anyway. So, cheers, Andy. Yeah, cheers, cheers Andy, Andy. we appreciate that. Yeah, the smoke's lost to me. There's no smoke, it's, it's all sweetness. Yeah. I mean, we are having it maybe a bit cooler than perhaps we may have done, but. Now, see, the, the reason for this, I mean, it was towards the end of the evening, this is why I thought you might, might be caught out, is because it's actually only 40% smoked malt. As Andy said to me, so do you reckon we've got a bit more used to having the smoke earlier as well? But if, well, if you massive step down, cer- off the last certainly one, if you'd it? had it at the start of the evening. Um, but also, I thought at this point, even though I was obviously hoping Steve would enjoy the beers, that he'd still just be like too smoky, too smoky. So this one would be a bit more rounded. But because you've not found it that way, I thought, well, you're definitely not going to pick any smoke up in this. I've, so. I've, I've, to be fair, I've not found that of any of them, Mark. Every one of them. There's not a beer tonight that I haven't enjoyed. I've, I've, I've enjoyed them the more, and I think it's it's been a real eye-opener for me in terms of smoked beer because I, I, I came into it with a perception of... of and more, trepidation. Yeah, of the more tasting, like someone had punched me in the mouth with a handful of peat. That's what I thought everything was going to taste like. But the, the selection that you've brought along has, has showed that using smoke in different ways can create such a variety of different flavours. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I would drink every beer that we've had tonight again. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm really pleased about that because when we first started, I mean, me and Martin have teased you a lot over social <laughs> media about this and smoke face and things like that. But I genuinely set out to try and do exactly that. So. Uh, right. Well, that's, it's, yeah. it's interesting because we, we obviously we, we ran a poll, uh, yeah. the, the third poll uh, of the <laughs> evening. We're not going to go into comments on this one. We're just going to do the results, and, and 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 that was the poll that we ran this week, which simply asked people about smoked beers, uh, and they had two options: they had "Gimme, Gimme, Gimme" or, or, or "Send Them Back to Hell." Uh, Five hundred forty-two votes. Thank you again. Fifty-two percent of people went for "Send Them Back to Hell." 48% of people went for gimme, gimme, gimme. Now, fucking Brexit. <laughs> those results, <laughs> I was going to say, those results will resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but actually, I came into this thinking I would be in go that to go to hell uh, category, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I don't think I'm quite there in terms of gimme, 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 but I'm not going to be as quick to dismiss a smoked beer. Doesn't in, in that go future. to show that if you, if we go back to that whole thing about subtlety and balance, well made and consistent. Um, so, you know, Mark's also chosen beers from some some very good breweries as well. You know, Tallside, Marble, Runway, Runaway, to name three of them. 
as well as the the, the, com, the collaboration of the mm. Cloudwater ad as well, Elusive. These are brewers that you would probably trust their beers anyway yeah. as a starting point. And that's where sometimes that, that it could easily make, all these beers could have been smoked up more, but then that's all you're then getting is smoke. Mm-hmm. You know, not dissimilar to what some of the reasons why I don't get on so well with the juicy Merc bombs in the UK versus the, one I had in Bo- the ones I had in Boston last year. There was a lot more subtlety and balance about the ones I had in Boston versus the ones here that a lot of times just feel like they've taken off the boil about half an hour too early. And it's almost like you're, you're just trying to get it out there. All these beers have been really well-balanced beers. Yeah. Put, put it this way. Next time the um, Sean at Beer Central puts up toys, toy-side beers that are smoked, I'll look at them rather than just dismiss them. And I'll be like, actually, yeah, I want one of those. Well, excellent. They'll, yeah. they'll be thrilled to hear it. As I say, there's a range of barley wines they do anyway. So... Not, I love their know. barley wines. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've always been a and, fan of their barley they do, wines. They um, <clears throat> do several iterations of the smoked barley wine now. One that's um, uses oat smoked wheat malt, which I'll get out eventually. Which is the stuff that's in the the Polish one, the Grodzki, um, rather than the Bamberg malt that's in the Rauch wine that we had this evening. Uh, so th- there's big variations of it. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Final thoughts on the uh, smoked stout from Elusive. Well, I finished mine. I mean, I have to admit the uh, the smoke of the wood start to come through a bit for me towards the end. I think as it's sitting in the glass and warming. I mean, bearing in mind that we're sharing a three thirty, so maybe if you were sat having this at home on your own, you'd be getting a lot more of that quite a bit earlier yeah. on. Mm. I'm getting a, a lot more of the smoke now, but it's. I mean, it's had the honey and stuff added so it's, it's sweet it's 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 sweet heavy mm. isn't it it's, it's sweet, all heavy, the sweetness the sweet heavy started to die off for me but maybe that's because you get used to it as well you're tuned to it aren't you yeah um but yeah no i think it, uh, it says something else about because it's another way that you can use a smoke again it just said something else you, you only using 40 percent smoke so you just add in a little dimension to the beer We've got a few questions just to finish the show off with. Questions, questions, fill my head. But I think we've also got a bonus beer. We, we have. So Mark can pour the beer. Mark can do the beer. We'll start doing it. the questions. Yep. Uh, and then we'll finish off one or the other as, as and when. First up, Shane Pollard at Shane Pollard 16. Not sure how to phrase this, but would be interesting to see how people believe bartenders' roles have changed because of Untapped. I've had a few occasions where now where customers just spend 10 minutes looking at their phone instead of talking about the beers available in the bar. Interesting. I mean, I think when I'm at the bar, I'm either looking at the stuff in front of me, looking at the board or asking the person serving yeah. about the beer. I don't think I'm standing in front of them doing the phone to make my decision. Um, I, would, I would flip it around and say I've been in a few bars where the person behind the bar is the one on their phone rather than just me. Well, I, I thought that when I saw it, but um, it took me a few reads of this question to realise what um, what it was getting at, because I was thinking about the oh, bloody bar stuff on the phone as well. It's just as bad. And then I realised it's, it's people that, rather than asking the opinion of the bar staff working, are basically checking on tap to see the recommendations from their friend. What what such and such a beer is on? Yarl's on the bar. What, what did my mate Martin say about it? Because I trust his opinion. Oh, he's only giving it two and a half stars. I'm not going to bother. I assume he's talking about that kind of stuff. The, the and 
as much as I can't say that I'm a fan of it, I just it's another one of those technological things of it's the way that things are going to go now, isn't it? We've had this discussion before, though, and and I I, I don't think I've ever taken a, a rating on Untapped as an endorsement of a beer. I I would predominantly look to my friends. Or the bar staff, yeah. in, in, in terms of, are you recommending me this beer? I'm, I'm, I'm never going to go to Untapped and say, recommend me a beer. Um, but I think because, good, I because think opinions are so divisive on Untapped. Yeah. And also, even Shane might be right. I mean, I, and I, re- I haven't probably seen it either, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I don't think I've really seen it happen. So I can't, can't say too much. But you'd hope it doesn't happen too often. I hope not, because otherwise it, it almost makes the bar staff yeah. redundant. I hope, it? I hope it does, because everybody will be drinking Huddersfield Town-themed beers, going, well, Mark Johnson gave it five stars. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hat-trick sales will go up like that. <laughs> so, um, before we go to the question number two, we have a new beer. We, we, we do <coughs> have a... a and this is a beer. big it's bottle a big as bottle, well. This, this is a yeah. 750 bottle at the end of the evening. So, so what have we got now, Mark? I thought it was appropriate, so... So there's another Torsai beer, Torsai <laughs> Dogs of War series. This is the Battalion Bull Terrier. Fantastic artwork that um, Peter, who's one of the brewers, his uh, wife is an artist and does all of their artwork. Um, in fact, the artwork for most of the beers is just picked from her artwork rather than the other way around. It's not okay. designed for the beers. It's um, Her pieces are huge... So what they landscape and they just pick little segments and stuff whereas this they're all they're all dogs that belong to the brewers and um and they did yeah a big barrel age range um called dogs of war um in 750s lovely to see because i'd like to see more of this in beer because we've gone kind of the opposite way and this is um a blend of the latest version of Rauk wine, so not the version that we had tonight, um, and Perfect Circle, which is the uh, wheat smoked wine that I mentioned previously earlier. It's a blend of the two of those, and then aged in, again pronunciation here, Sautern, I believe is it, which is a kind of French dessert wine, uh, barrels of that. Um, so it's a blend of them for X amount of time, and uh, cheers. Cheers. Thank, Thank you very you much. Thank you so much for Thank sharing you, these. Yeah, for sharing well. these, especially the 750. Oh, and 10% as well. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah, um, all I'm getting from that is the, is that it's a little bit of sweetness, but it, it all feels as though it's coming from the oak and the wood. I'm fairly much, yeah, in, I'm feeling in, like in it's almost like a baronet old ale. Yeah. I'm, so I it mean, hasn't got those fruity notes of like a vintage ale or a barley wine. I'm definitely getting the old ale kind of vibe. For me, this has just underlined what I said earlier on in terms of I've I've been surprised how much I've enjoyed smoked beers, yeah. and and how much you can use smoke in different ways to impart different flavours. This just underlines that for me because I, I'm getting hardly any smokiness from this. And, and if anything, it, pr- it proves my point about Torsai being the. Well, proves my point. Um, <laughs> reiterates my feeling that Torside are the master because there's those two styles that we talked about, um, smoked beech malt and the, the wheat thing, and then it would be so easy if you're going to barrel-age them to use a very peaty whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it'd be the easy go-to, certainly any kind of whiskey, in fact, but no, they went for a sweet wine, 
to blend those flavours and go for something completely different it's that works, amazing, is, is like a beer that I've not had before. Yeah, so what I was going to say is that I think that you were saying about the smoke, but I think it's one of those ones that even those ones where we've said the smoke has been quite subtle, if you took the smoke out, you would take something away from it. You know, like when you're cooking, mm. you only add a, f- a small yeah. amount to that particular ingredient, which you can't really spot then when you actually serve it up as a final dish. But if you took it out, you'd notice it wasn't there. And I think that's what some of the smoked beers that Mark has presented to us tonight yeah. to sample has been about. It's like, rather than it's smoke slap you around the face, make you pull a face, it's been about, no, it's still here. It's going on, but it's not. It's just part, it's just another ingredient. It's been a fantastic journey yeah. through, through smoked beers. And the, this, this, I think this is a really good, really good finishing beer, yeah. actually. Yeah. Thank uh, you very much, Mark, for sharing. Last two questions then. So these are from Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers. And, and before we ask these questions, we we are just going to say at this point, um, recently Will sent us some beers. Yeah. Uh, now, now we thought when, when, when Will got in touch to say, can I send you some beers? Uh, we've had a lot of people recently want to send us their home brews, which is yep. great. Absolutely love that. And, and, and we love to try homebrew beers. Uh, Will said, I want to send you some beers. Can I have your address? So we, we gave him the address. Um, and waited for more homebrew to turn up, and then this box of beer turned up, which is five of the most amazing beers. Yeah, which he's chosen, knowing seemingly that we haven't had them either. Yep. Yeah, so he's, I think he's gone through our untapped. Yeah. He's, he's made sure we haven't had them, uh, and literally sent them to us as a thank you for producing the for show. The show. Yeah. So and really, I was completely and utterly humbled by that when you sent that picture through. Yeah. WhatsApp. Yeah. So so thank you so much, Will. We we are going to do those on a show. And, and we are really looking forward to trying yeah. every single one of those beers as well. So, so, so thank you so much for that. Uh, so now for your questions. Uh, two questions. First question, uh, with climate change and the current zeitgeist and heaps of UK breweries, should we think more carefully about the air miles on our beers, particularly those from long-haul destinations? I'd like to say yes, and then I would get uh, back to my earlier comment about if I see beers from Half Acre, I'd go for them. I'd, I'd like to say yes, but I, I, I simply don't think about it. Hmm. I think I'm in the, in that zone with this where, you know, I, I've written one word here, which is yes, um, because I, I, I believe that with absolutely everything that we're doing at the moment, that we should be improving to um, try and be better at all of those things. Um, but then again, I would also be hypocritical. Um, it's, it's about small steps at the moment. You can't overnight just be like, I'm going to um, no longer if, if you did your 100% weekly shot at Tesco's it's very difficult to say right from Monday morning I'm not buying a single thing from Tesco's it's from gradually just doing 50% of that weekly shop at Tesco's and then getting stuff it's reducing it so I think that yes we all need to be doing better at things um, but if I actually just gave that one word answer and then a bit like Martin I'd very selfishly be like I really want some fucking half acre because it's <laughs> absolutely delicious. It's great beer. It, yeah. It's just that we we've got. Uh, I mean, New Mills, uh, New Mills, Torside, who are from New Mills, are relatively close to me. Um, I don't need to go to. I, I buy a lot less beer from German smoked breweries now. I probably that, buy uh, less yeah. hopped beers from elsewhere than I used to because we've got so many choices in the UK. But it hasn't been a deliberate decision for me. Mm. Yeah. Which, 
you, you know when you, you see a lot about it, it's just like oh it's been cool, it's been air freighted and cold chained over from America and stuff like that, and then it gets here and sometimes it's absolutely fantastic, and other times it's like this isn't as good as the brewery that's at the end of my road metaphorically. Yeah. Um, then yeah, we can all do little things to be better in our lives in general. Beer is one of them. Uh, yeah, yeah that's I, I, I agree with the sentiment. <coughs> I just couldn't honestly put my hand up and say I do. It. No, 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 I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't. And second question was: I've had a load. Uh, I've, I've had a load of low or zero alcohol beer lately, and they virtually all supply calorie info. Should this be done by default? Surely informing customers is no bad thing. We can always ignore it. Well, what I would say though is that with zero percent beers, there advocating the low calorie aspect of it as much as anything else anyway so they're putting it on there as part of the sales pitch and the marketing aren't they um, because it's probably still better than maybe having a can of coke mm. which comes in at 140 150 calories this may come in at 90 to 100 for a 330 can of I don't know, say ghost ship or because I've, I've, I've never been quite sure about the the reason it's not already on the on beers. I can only assume it's a different governing body that deals yeah, with well, alcohol. With the because on, on food, four pure had it on their cans, or certainly used to. That used to be one of their big things down the side of it. They had all the factual information, and one of those things was the calories. So I think yeah, I think it actually. I'd have no problem with it being on there. Would I take much notice? Depends what I'm thinking about at the time, but. The reason they have it on the low-cal is to advertise it being on the, so the low mm, alcohol is to yeah. advertise the fact that it's low-calorie at the same yeah, time. Yeah. It's, it's part of the marketing and the sales pitch. I don't think they've deliberately set out to say, we're going to suddenly tell you all our calories. But with food and other sort of soft drinks as well, it's a requirement. Yeah. I've never actually been 100% sure why it's not the case with actually beer, why it's not already on there anyway. Same with any alcohol stuff, I suppose. Mm. So I, I assume it's just a different governing body that uh, deals with it, but... Yeah, I, why not? And yes, I'd ignore it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it's a beer I really, really want, I'd still drink it. Just on that, I do want to say that yesterday I drank a whole load of alcohol-free beers. I know. I assumed um, you were driving yesterday. I was driving yeah. yesterday. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'd like to hear the feedback uh, on uh, that. I had the Brewdog Punk AF. Yeah. It was really good. It, it was really good. Um, it's difficult to say whether it tastes like the original without doing them side by side, but it's a beer that I would quite happily drink, knowing it had no alcohol in it. My thing about it was, I the one time I, the one I've had so far, I left it to warm up a little bit, and the lactose came through. See, I took your feedback on board with, with that, and I drank it cold. Yeah. So, so I had a bottle of it. I don't know if you had a bottle of it. No, I can. So it's I, got I, lactose. I had a bottle. Yeah, yeah that's what they put lactose in it to give it body. body. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, and, and then, then that, when it starts to warm up, it starts to get that slightly sweet mm, artificial. I didn't let it warm up. Good idea. I, I, I drank yeah. it quickly, and it was it, it. It gave you that that the one thing it had that a lot of the others have missed for me. It, it still had the bit of kick at the end. So yeah. it, it was. Well, I think Nanny State has a bit of kick. Yeah, I don't like Nanny State. Um, and then the <laughs> other two that I had were from Big Drop. So I had their Palau and their Stout. Right. Um, and. Both used oats and wheat and lactose to try and give it body. The Palau had lime in it as as well, which it was subtle enough to come through on the flavour, but it did give it something mm-hmm. in, in the end. And and the stout had cacao nibs, which, which did give it kind of chocolatey. Both a little bit thin on body still, um, which is still a thing for me with the alcohol-free beers. But... Again, I would happily drink both of them. Again, well, the uh, the body on alcohol-free beers is definitely the 
the, the next thing, isn't it? It's like battery powered cars, electric powered mm. cars. If you can create that battery, which is small enough that you can still power it up and travel three or 400 miles in one hit. That's, that's what alcohol-free beers yeah. need. They're all looking for that way to create the body, which is why the low ABV small beers, like say the cloud waters and stuff, I think have actually hit the mark on a few, quite a few of those ones because you get the body and the flavour and the aroma still feels like a decent beer. Yeah, but if you're looking for an alcohol-free option... It's so much harder. It's got I, 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 I would say, I mean, I've, I've got to say now, I've had a few... I had the, the the beer that Big Drop did with Tiny Rebel as part of their birthday celebrations, mm-hmm. and I was impressed with, with that. I've been impressed by their, their their two bottled beers as well. That is one that I'd go for. If, if, if I was looking now... If, if I knew I was going to be a designated driver and I was going to a party and I needed to feel like I was drinking something that wasn't coke or water or tea or coffee or whatever i would happily take you know a six pack of big drop yeah, beers and, 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 and drink I, I haven't had enough of them myself so far yeah because for me personally um <clears throat> it's always been again the price I, I i remember listening to martin talk about alcohol free beers on a podcast maybe last year <clears throat> And saying, you know, because you don't like sugary drinks mm. or, you know, and things like that. Um, that, you know, even even if you came back from a run just to have something like that. You, and I've never felt like that. Um, and if I, and I suppose the only time I do, I kind of fill it with tonic water. Quite, I've quite grown a nice taste for tonic water, but it's like 60p in the supermarket for a big bottle. Whereas alcohol-free beers... Not particularly expensive, but then still more expensive than a soft drink a or soft, something yeah. like well, that. So I, I paid one pound thirty a bottle for for the three beers that I drank now. But that's a mind, treat for a three thirty meal. The the equivalent in Coke is going to cost you eighty eighty five p for a Coke Zero. So you, you're probably paying fifty p more for something that looks and tastes like a beer, and probably smaller batch than Coke, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I do get I do get Mark's point about the price point still, yeah. and there'll always be the big thing in a pub, isn't it? It's the price point between zero percent beer. But that thing as well about beer. being being the designated driver and just you know just wanting something that you know tastes like beer. Yeah, that, that that's definitely where they should definitely go into. So uh, we've, 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 we've still I'm, come I'm, a long way since Caliber, though. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think everyone that's, probably agree on that, that one. That's, yes. that's all we can say <laughs> with that. Final thoughts on this final beer that, that, that the Mark's sharing with us tonight well I, my, my glass is getting towards the empty bit Fortunately, it's a 750 so I think there's a second pour coming now but I just think it's just really subtle really nice the, the smoke is there without slapping you around the face I, I think what, uh, maybe something that um, might have not even been reiterated enough is they are smoked barley wine blends as well because I just think that people when they think smoked beers they automatically think stouts I mean even the, so th- is this a barley wine? The, the, well, it's a blend of two of their barley wines. Okay, yeah. and right, so, okay. you know, and I think so. A lot of it is it's just like having a blended barrel aged barley wine, yeah. which of course the thing is that's what it is. But I mean, even the Schlenkler range, none of them are stouts. They're all actually lagered yeah. beers. Yeah. The German style lagered beers in different ways, and I think there's um, an assumption with um, we we've, we had elusive imperial stout and the runaway porter but we've not had stouts tonight and i think there's always been an assumption and that's no the, the this is we're having I a really that nice assumption. 
Yeah, that's yeah. where your PT. I, 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 I made that assumption as yeah. well. But then that's probably that, I've, I've been surprised with the range of styles we've tried tonight. That's probably because when we've had, uh, especially a bottle share, there's been a few PT. Yeah. Versions of smoked beers turning up, and they've always been very dark, big thick. But I often find that it's actually just a regular imperial style. It's just been barrel aged, maybe in a very peaty barrel, mm, yes. and that's what's given it that. So it's actually the whiskey that's given it that, rather than anything in yeah, the beer. Yeah, rather than the smoked malt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so again, there's, there's there's assumptions around it, and I'm glad that we've yeah, I'm really glad we've done a few of them. Perhaps. Yeah, no, thank yeah. thank you, Mark. Really yeah, appreciate no, th- that. Thank, yeah, thank you very much for bringing the beers down and sharing them. Yeah. Um, Obviously, if anybody wants to get involved in any of the chat around tonight's show, use the hashtag opinions. We will find you. Uh, Mark, where where do people find you? If if they don't already know where they can find (laughs) you on the internet. They can find me on the very imaginatively imagined at Mark N. Johnson. And there will obviously be links in the show notes to you and to the, the, the blog and everything else. Also, when is uh, the, the Tourside Smoke Fest that oh, the, yes. the, the, the people can uh, Which you get should definitely in? attend. Um, it's uh, Saturday the 9th of November on the 10th um, on the Sunday as well. And uh, yeah, if uh, you, you're more, th- th- they can do a better job than I can about taking you through a journey of smoke. So if you can make it, it's, if nothing else, they're just the nicest people in beer, apart from Andy Parker, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> And um, it's just a wonderful tap room to go to. So I, I, I'll imagine we can probably throw a link in the show notes to that yeah, as well, yeah. because these are the biggest show notes <laughs> ever. ever that we're going to produce. Biggest show ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we're about there, aren't we? I think we are about there. What are we doing, Steve? Oh, sorry. Oh, I have one final thing, and okay. then and then I'll stop talking. It's, it's not another eighty-two percent beer, is it? <laughs> no, but it, it refers to what Pete and Neil said before, and it would be remiss of me not to say anything whilst I'm here. But um, I have. This is the first beer podcast that I listen to. Um, it's the only reason I listen to any other beer podcasts, of which there are some very good ones. Um, and I already thought you two did a great job, but actually seeing. Not just seeing it in the flesh, but the build-up to it, the uh, conversations beforehand, the show notes. Um, you do an absolutely superb job, and I hope it's well appreciated. So, thank you very much for having me on. Yeah. Th- oh, thank, thank you, Martin. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, really do appreciate those comments. So, Steve, what are we doing next? Uh, well, we're, we're, we're doing something with uh, Rhythm and Brews. Okay, uh, two questions. you know what? And uh, are you going to stay for the whole show? <laughs> I'll answer the second question first. <laughs> yes, I'm going to stay for the whole show this time. Is that because we're locking you in the corner? Well, it's because we're hosting the show. So okay. I, kind of, I kind of have to be there. Well, for, for, for the I've, I've never disappeared on one of our shows yet. No, disappeared on our Crimbo Crawl, though. Yeah, yeah okay. That's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, and um, I think we're just going to have a conversation with them about uh, at the beginning of the year. They did a uh, a prediction show of what they thought would be the beer trends for oh, 2019. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be good. Uh, we're about halfway through the year, so we're going to kind of do a bit of a mid-term review with them in terms of, well, how are your predictions going? Oh, I think there's definitely a few of them which haven't um, quite happened yet. There would definitely be no music from, from our point of view because no. we, we don't do that, but uh, we are very much looking forward to having... Andrew and Luke join us on the show. Yep, definitely. Um, Should be good fun. For, for, for a conversation. And and that will be in two weeks. Um, so the only thing left to say, once again, Mark, 
thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for bringing an amazing range of beers. And I'm going to say thank you for changing my mind about smoked beers because this isn't what I expected and that there isn't a single beer that I haven't enjoyed tonight. So thank you. Thank you ever so much. Absolutely. Um, cheers. 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 Watch me strike